apologize for all the technical glitches that will happen. Um, this is really just born out of trying to help generate as much money as possible, given the, uh, the, the tragic events in Beirut. And um, for anyone watching, uh, I mean, the last two episodes I tried uh, linking uh, specific NGOs, and in particular the Red Cross. So I will, uh, I will include uh, links again during this episode. Uh, they'll be shared in the chat box. Um, I don't really know what else to say other than uh, I kind of, I've been trying to digest the news simply by watching it on my phone, on TV, and it's been, uh, it's been a nightmare. So an absolute nightmare. And it doesn't help to, I mean, a lot of people, I think, share this sentiment. And I think the, the first guest that I have today, Essen Efe, uh, I think she honed in on the sentiment and uh, I'm going to explain more once, uh, once she comes on. But uh, even when these things happen, even when there's extreme tragedy, like, uh, like what we're experiencing in, in Beirut, I wish I was there. And I don't know why. I think I just want to, I feel better if I'm suffering there when there's tragedy. I don't like to be away uh, when these things happen. And then many people sort of uh, feel otherwise. They say that, uh, that they're maybe blessed to be away. And maybe many in Lebanon are kind of uh, saying that sort of you're more fortunate to be away. But I, I don't think that whatsoever. I, um, I feel uh, guilty, absolutely guilty for not being there. So, um, the, uh, the first guest today is an old friend from Beirut. Her name is Essen Efe. Uh, funny enough, I met her on the tour, on the Walk Beirut tour. And um, I don't think I've seen her in over a decade. And the only reason I'm bothering her with her time today is that uh, she sent me a, a very poignant message, and I woke up to that message this morning. I, um, I'd like to start the episode with her, with her, uh, with her voice, and why she sent me that message, because it's, um, I'll say it this way, it's a, it's a difficult message to wake up to, and it's also the, uh, the right message for the moment. So, give me just a second to let me see if I can actually use this uh, OBS system, whatever I have here, properly. I have no idea if I'm using it properly or not. So let's see what happens. I hope it works, but here's to giving it a shot. So I'm going to dial SN right now. I just hope there's no echo. Essen, hey. Okay, so this is live. I apologize. I'm just going to make sure that you appear because I think it's just me and a double feed. So let me make let me make sure that it's that you're in the clip and not me. So, well, no, they should uh, they should see you too. So it doesn't matter. It's okay to make mistakes the first time around. So it's the first live I've never done uh, live before. So my friend. I'm going to add you here. You are Essen. <laughs> See if it works. 
I think it'll work. Here you are, SNFA. And there you are. Okay, now to make sure that I'm not on top of your face, I'm going to do something rather bizarre. Right, I think this is working. I assume it's working. And I think we're both now on the same feed. Yes, we are. We are. Good. <laughs> yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't uh, overtaking you in the, uh, in the episode. And by the way, I should say something. I'm an amateur at technology, so okay. I mean, as long as you look fine, I don't care. I probably look like a big tragedy, so the important thing is you, you look just fine. And I have filters for myself, so I don't uh, look that Listen, I'm, it's a bit odd that we haven't spoken in maybe nine, nine years, ten years? Uh, no, so we, it was 2012. 2012. Okay, so that's eight, eight years ago. And it's yeah. funny how eight years can just, you know, can vanish. Um, it, I mean, it doesn't feel like eight years. Although I think so many bad things have happened in the last... I was going to say, it feels like 80 years, actually, but it also feels like eight seconds, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, basically, during this episode, uh, while we speak, I'll be sharing links to various NGOs that... Uh, I've linked them up before, but I'm going to just sort of link them as we speak. Um, yeah. But just before that, I, I did want to touch on something you sent me this morning. Um, it's a reply, in a way, to something that I shared yesterday. But uh, it's why I bothered you to begin with. It's why I wanted to speak to you. It's not about You had the same feeling. And it's something that I don't think has been expressed in other conversations I've had among friends or even on the podcast. That I absolutely agree with you 100% that I wish I was there. Which part? Oh, yes. Well, I think that's, that's what I took from the message is that there's a yearning yeah. to be there even when you know it's not the right time. Even yeah. when you know that people don't uh, recommend it, yeah. and probably friends of yours there, or it doesn't matter if they're there or abroad, but there's this hesitation. So don't don't come yeah. now yet. Yet you're not Lebanese, and you you mentioned that in the message too. But I don't think it really matters. You considered Beirut home at some point in your life, and you still have connections yes. to that city, and you want to be. Yes. There. Yeah. So let's start there. What what is that emotion all about? Because I'd like to explore it with you. And you're the first person that kind of approached me saying that you felt the same way. Um, what is it about? Well, I guess it's mainly about wanting to be there when people that you love are going through a really tough time, right? And you want to, there's a sense of solidarity. And I think this comes, I mean, this is, and this is not the only context where I might have felt this before, for example, because I'm not Lebanese, I'm Turkish. And for example, back in 2003, he was having protests. I don't know if you remember, this was yeah. a very long time ago, but there was protests that lasted two, three months long. And I was still in the U.S. at the time because I was finishing my master's there. And I couldn't be there, but I was basically living on Turkish time right. in the U.S. Because I would stay, like, I would, you know, I would wake up earlier, stay up late, or whatever it was to follow, you know, what was going on every day with the protests, because the protests were happening every single day. Attempted coup around that time? No. No, 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 that's 2016. No, this is in 2013. There was the Gaza Park protests. Remember when there was, yeah. Um, but then it's also, you know, if you think about, 
why in the most horrific conditions, um, for example, after that, I worked on Syria for five years. I was based in Turkey, but I was working for a, pro a project that sent assistance into Syria, into the opposition held parts of Syria. And, you know, it was very interesting to observe sort of people's instincts to stay or go. And so many people, even though they could have left, stayed. So I think it's in a way a very sort of human feeling, actually, that's probably similar to what you and I are feeling right now about even though it's a hell, like it's, it's inferno, it, the city is gone. I mean, I'm sorry, it breaks my heart to say that myself, but like people are homeless, like, and I'm looking at it and I, a part of me literally like really wants to use my vacation to go there and be there. But at the same time, I know my friends themselves don't have a place to stay and, you know, to, that the roof over their head or glass in their windows. And, and yet, why do I want to be there? It's because you want to you want to be there with your people and support them or suffer together because I think there's something that transcends that physical discomfort or something, you, you, you know? Automatically, sort of, your inertia is to feel the pain with people you care for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's an interesting experience also. It's very surreal to be in a place where you're actually comfortable when so many, you see so many people that you love are suffering because, you know, this happened on... Tuesday evening, um, I was I came home, and then Tuesday night and all Wednesday morning, I was you know locked onto social media watching everything happen, and then around Wednesday around noon, I was like, okay, I'm literally going to go crazy, so let me force myself to go to the office. So I stepped out of my building, and the sun was shining, the buildings were whole, people were just walking and like you know going about their daily lives as if nothing happened. Uh, because nothing, I mean, I'm in Geneva, nothing happened here and people don't know or, you know, it doesn't affect them. Why should they change the way that they go about their daily lives? But I hated it. I felt a very strong sense of resentment. How could you act normal when, you know, people that I love, you know, they're just, they're, 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 their whole world turned upside down. You know, I, it's funny you say Geneva. I mean, this is maybe a tangent, but... I went to Geneva, I went to Lake Geneva in 2014, early 2014. This is after, I mean, that's my, after my father's assassination. I ended up in Lake Geneva. And, you know, it's, it's sort of, I mean, this may resonate with you. I thought that I would achieve some calm there just because the place is so damn tranquil. And so beautiful, right? And so so soothing. I wonder on a daily basis, is it possible to die from too much peace? Yeah. Like, I, mean, I say this knowing that there's absolute benefit to that kind of stillness. I mean, it's there. At the same time, and this is a place I was meant to kind of wind down. I was in a relationship at the mm -hmm. time. I was with someone I loved, mm -hmm. watching the views of Lake Geneva. It's a place I would never end up otherwise. I was there really out of love and trying to disconnect. And it had no impact on my well-being. My mind was always on Beirut. This is even after leaving because of a tragedy there. So it's, I think it's, it, it's DNA maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's, it's emotion. Maybe it's a blend of both. That uh, I'd rather be nowhere else during the good and the bad. And even when the bad is this bad. I, I, and I think, uh, I mean, my, my experience with Turkey is one of sort of at a distance. So, I mean, obviously for you, it would feel far more 
immediate and, and personal. But I, I, I'm guessing from you it's a little more complicated because you have several locations where you'd like to be during multiple crises. So maybe your situations... And thank God there's no shortage of crises on any of the countries that I'm involved in. It's like the U.S. and Turkey, Syria, Lebanon. It's, it's yeah. never a boring way. No. Um, and, you know, you have this sort of weird crack cocaine relationship with it, right? Because it just... It, it, it drags you through the mud. It like, jumps up and down on your heart. It like it shatters it into pieces. And yet, you won't, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, you still, there's just something that's also so, I don't know what the word is, honestly. I want to say like raw, but beautiful about it. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to romanticize it. I really don't know what the words are. And it's interesting because me being here was actually a conscious decision after I left you know, in 2018, after five years of living in Turkey and working on Syria, um, me saying, oh, I get burnt out, I can't do this anymore. So you were, you were um, and then so, Turkey when you went back to the States, from both? From both. both. Uh, no, I never went back to the States, because I also didn't want to go back to the States. So, so you, um, I wanted to be somewhere completely away from all of this. example that Switzerland doesn't really solve problems in that sense. It, I mean, there's a for me, it's been just a temporary respite when when I was lucky to be there. But I, I think you're the perfect person to ask this question because you're now based in Geneva. I mean, does it even have any impact on you when you're watching these scenes? I mean, I because what are the benefits really of not being there right now? I'm trying to I'm trying to digest this. I'm in New York. New York has its share of problems, but it's nothing compared to obviously nothing compared to Beirut. But I don't feel lucky to be here. I just don't feel lucky. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if that, that resonates with you. Yeah, because it doesn't feel real in a way, right? And, like, New York, to a level, but Geneva, to a whole different level, you feel like you're living in this weird bubble of utopia. Where, you know what? Have you seen that movie, The Truman yeah, Show? with Jim Carrey and... I'm living in The Truman Show. <laughs> you're funny. So, you're, so and, are you literally, like, stuck in that perfect series that yeah yeah, yeah. I, yeah. But, but by choice and actually most days i wake up and i'm extremely grateful to it because turkey was never lebanon and obviously i'm not trying to compare the two but in 2015 and 16 it went through a lot of its own and it's interesting because actually living in those years in turkey compounded by the fact that I was working on Syria, of course, and everything that was happening there, but also Turkey's own political and, you know, security-wise and turmoil, made me understand my Lebanese friends properly for the first time. Because when I moved to Lebanon in 2012, um, I could sort of understand, even though I was there, but I still couldn't really quite, I think, comprehend just why my Lebanese friends were so unhappy. <laughs> You're Lebanese, yeah. Okay, I was 21. Right. I was 21. I was your, you know, typical sort of, you know, student, you know, study abroad. It's like, oh my God, living. But in a way, I would think that I saw, I was able to appreciate all this beauty more because I wasn't weighed down by, you know, all the inherited trauma, all the direct trauma, you know, you know, all the sort of stuff that comes by growing up there in that extreme, despite all the frustration and everything. I was coming at it as a fresh pair of eyes. 
And I now recognize that my experience there was very different because one, I didn't have all that weighing me down and you know, sort of tainting my perception, but also because I didn't belong to the country, I could leave it whenever I wanted. But, 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 um, so I didn't feel right, stuck in then, it. Even then, you have that luxury to leave and yet you still feel like you wish you were there. So it's not even, I mean, it's an exit strategy, but it's one that you do probably because you're not from there. Otherwise, I mean, it doesn't really offer much psychological support. I, I mean, and I, I say this knowing that I'm very lucky. It's not that I'm unlucky. On the contrary, very lucky to be able to leave and go back in whenever I want to. And at the same time, sort of that sort of pull that I just wish I was there. I, I Yeah. For sure. But yeah, not, not in terms of that. I, I guess I meant in general, like, I find it easier to go there, for example. And ever since I lived there the first time, it's always been my dream, actually, oh, to I live see. there again. It just hasn't yes. worked out yet. But so, I, you know, not just to visit, but to actually live there. But I think that's a decision that is easier for me to take because, like I said, it's not like I'm giving up my chance to leave the country right. if I go back to it. That makes sense. That makes sense. So it makes it an easier decision to maybe even hold out a bit longer to not worry about my exit strategy because... You know, it's just been so upsetting to watch sort of going from the protests last year and the euphoria of it to the crash well, even before this, you know. October? Have you been? No, no. No. So, so no, all things you're witnessing just from, from Geneva. Yeah, from social just media. from social media. I, um, I have a strange situation where I went in and out so many times the last two years. I happened to be there when the October protests began. I left early yeah. this year to end up in a city that's under lockdown and COVID-19. And now here I am, city is still pretty much shut down for the most part, for the most part, and back to watching Lebanon on the news. It almost feels like uh, two tragedies that finally lined up. <laughs> I'm, I, I've, I've yeah. had enough. I've actually, uh, yeah, which is kind of why I wanted to just have an episode unfiltered, unedited, with very bad technical situation. I don't know if... I hope people are hearing me. Apparently, they're hearing you just fine. So that's what's... Oh, good. That's what happens. Essen, <laughs> um, I'm going to just pause for a second. I'm going to sort of take us both away. Yes. So the first uh, donations that I was recommending the last two days were for the Lebanese Red Cross, and I assume... That banner is now showing up on the screen. I'm unable to see it myself, but I think it is. So we're both out of the way now. Um, I've been actually sending every donation of mine for the podcast to the Red Cross. And uh, I think they're the ones that are sort of uh, in most need at any given moment, but particularly right now. Um, and there's also a list of other NGOs that I'll be including as the episode sort of uh, goes on but the first one is the red cross and yes good people are online they can see it oh i like that you know it's always fun to recognize some names that are chatting <laughs> my voice is significantly lower well i might have to fix that then is it your voice that's just too sharp you know what? I'm glad you're the first guest. I can screw around a bit on this. Let me fix my voice once and for all, because I don't know what's going on with my voice. All right. Audio input. Audio input. I guess I'm audio input. Yes. Audio input. Good, 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 good. And let's see. That should be it. I'm not sure why people can't hear me. My voice is significantly lower. 
Well, people are saying get closer to the mic. I don't think that's ever been the problem. <laughs> well, I'll leave it to the uh, to the rest of the episode to fix that. Um, oh, I can hear you just fine, Ronnie. There we go. There we go. So people are either deaf or uh, or it's just uh, me not knowing what I'm doing. Okay, so it's back to us now. Essen, I was going to ask you. Um, In terms of your own friends, your own sort of ties to Beirut, I said it's a, it's a sad question to ask, but your contacts, people in your life, are they okay? I mean, and okay in the in the loosest definition here. I mean, in terms of their physical well-being, are they okay? They're alive. God, this is so tragic. I've had this repeated answer. They're alive. Yeah. Yeah. They're alive. Um, some people have ended up in the hospital, um, you know, uh, uh, I think, yeah, there was one friend who we couldn't locate mm. for a while, um, then he was found, you know, I think in the aftermath of obviously a huge explosion, people were kind of dazed and just walking, injured and walking in all directions and being randomly picked up and taken to random hospitals, and so, like, in the initial sort of phase, it was really hard to track, yeah. um, who was there um, and, um, but so yes um, they're alive uh, I don't think I talked to anybody whose house wasn't damaged um, you know who still had windows and doors yeah but, same same here uh, even people far away from the explosion itself had damage yeah Did most of your most of your friends and sort of people in your in your orbit are they living in Jumeizim, Madam Khair, that sort of area? Yeah. I, so, yeah. this to me is the, you know, I say this as somebody who's only known that stretch of Beirut as uh, either a neighborhood that was largely shielded during the Civil War or as a part mm -hmm. of the city that was losing its architectural beauty but gaining its notoriety and its nightlife and social life. And it almost seemed like one of those last bastions of the city where there was some semblance of you could pretend to have a relatively normal day, pretend and I, I, mm -hmm. I don't want to be too sort of uh, romantic here I'm just keeping a very, very loose definition here, you can just sort of have it you can go about your routine there and I, uh, it's just shocking to see that part of the city in so much damage I, it, it's alien to me those images are from the Green Line during the Civil War. They're from the maybe the Israeli invasion, 1982. And in an American context, that kind of sort of shock, I mean, it's sort of particular to 9-11, but it's not, to me, Jamezi, Madam Khaya, the port, that's not, uh, I don't associate that with, with tragedy. And uh, here it is, yeah. sort of, uh, it's shockingly, uh, shockingly bad. And, yeah. And it's um, because the numbers that they're reporting are, you know, it's still, I think it's still less than 200 dead and something around 5,000 injured or something. And it's, I find it very hard to believe because I alone probably know about like 100 people who are, yes. you know, injured. And, but, but I think that might also in part be because the people that I know are mainly concentrating on Sharkia. Right. Um, because I don't know if you remember, but when I was living in Beirut, I was living in Hamra. Sure, um, sure yes. Yeah, so I even remember the the apartment. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, that's yeah. The, back in time. Um, um, ancient, ancient history. Ancient history. But um, 
but we were the odd ones out, you know, like we were there because it was close to AUB and, uh, but every day I would walk from Hamra to Jamesa because my then boyfriend was living in Jamesa and, uh, well, so, and, um, so I, every day would be like 45 minutes to 50 minutes and I would walk that at least once a day, sometimes twice a day because in the service it would take about the same amount of time anyway, um, with yeah. the traffic and everything. And so, you know, that, that part that's now completely torn apart is, you know, a lot of those areas, you know, by the souks, by Nijma Square and everything. Like, I used to walk that stretch every day. But, yeah. So, anyway, going back to your question, um, yeah, so a lot of the people that I knew were concentrated. I know, I know. I mean, I just know too many people there. And I spent uh, the first 24 hours, I think, uh, unable to sleep and just uh, checking in on I think my whole social life and people I care for and, and people that I don't know personally but I've sort of been lucky to meet on the, through the podcast they're all there they're all there and uh, if they're not there they're still in danger and uh, yeah I, I'm going to pause us again because there's another sort of donations page I want to sync up so we're going to both disappear again I hope um, this is the Impact Lebanon page for the Just Giving crowdfunding uh, page. I think they're aiming to hit five million pounds. And as of last night, they were at. Uh, maybe they have. I haven't. I actually have a, a slightly older screenshot. It may have may have passed four million already. I don't know if they actually hit five yet. But uh, but last time I checked, their page was still accepting donations. So they, yeah. And if they hit five, that's fantastic. You cannot, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I was going to say the estimate is what, 15 billion pounds, uh, dollars in, uh, in material damage. And that's, that number is staggering, and that's aside from the uh, pain that everyone's going through anyway. So it's not even like, uh, yeah, yeah. I saw today uh, sort of shocking images that they, I mean, this belongs in a movie. It doesn't belong in reality. The French president is doing a better job at caring for the average Lebanese than anyone in the Lebanese Republic, <laughs> any official, any. He's doing a better job. Now, even if it's symbolic, it doesn't matter. Symbolic gestures matter in themselves. They're important. He's there. He's shaking hands he's hugging yeah he's supporting i mean the man is taking yeah don't worry he... of course of course You know, it's it's not surprising. I mean, it shocks some of my friends here in Switzerland. They're like, "But how could that happen?" <laughs> you clearly don't yeah. know Lebanon. You know, if, if you knew Lebanon, it's totally believable that something like that would happen. Even if we assume that we're taking, you know, the current explanation of things as as the real one. Um, no, but I mean, it's I mean, it's like it's, you said, he shouldn't be there. I mean, he's the he has his own issues to worry about. He's doing a better job by spending three hours walking around Beirut. And I th I sense, and I, I mean, it's a discussion for later, but it, it does creep in already. I sense that the level of rage now has reached a point where the soft images we saw today, 
I think it was the Minister of Justice, I think. She was sort of shooed away from Jamaica. She tried walking in, or she got in, I think, and people were just sort of yeah, no, I mean, reckless decision on her part. She, uh, people were throwing water at her. Water is water, but the the shouting, that kind of like uh, the need for revenge, is is there. And I, I, I mean, I know it's a discussion for later, but it's it's pent up to the and it burst. It burst with the explosions, and I. It's just so painful to see all this happening at once. It's too much for one city to go through in this amount of time, really. It's, um, I don't think, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I don't know what to say other than uh, Beirut doesn't deserve any of us. No, it doesn't. Nowhere does, but especially Beirut doesn't. And I am not Lebanese, so it's not really for me to, I guess, say too much about its politics. But from where I'm standing, on the one hand, I totally understand why these politicians don't want to walk the streets because they, I mean, they would be, you know, torn apart. And I think that that would be probably deserved. Um, that being said, I mean, but no, how many people died? out of just pure negligence and corruption. And so, you know, I don't think that there's anything left for them to do like, than just resign and en masse and, you know, disappear forever. Yeah. Um, I, and, and, and yet, and yet, and, and yet, and I, I fully agree with you, and yet uh, the clock is ticking, and I'm surprised that there hasn't been any sort of, out of fear, not out of duty, forget responsibility, out of fear that, uh, that no one has stepped down. I think I would be afraid at this point if I were in a position of power, of any power. doesn't matter what that power is. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because as somebody who's observing from a distance, you know, everything that's been going on, you know, since 2012, I now, for the first time, am actually seeing sort of what yeah. you're saying, that anger people talking about like you know if it was only one I wouldn't have taken it seriously but I saw multiple people saying bring like yeah, bring yeah, up the guillotine or right. the death punishment and I feel like these idiots aren't aware that the longer they hold on the worse they're making it for themselves I mean Owen might just die like maybe that's what he's thinking about and maybe he just thinks that he doesn't have too many more years left and then he's just going to die before he has to face the consequences of his actions but you know, the, the, for the rest of them, the longer that they hold on, the, the angrier people are going to get, and the, but the worse it's going to be for everybody, including them. They won't be able to escape this one. Um, and so, I, yeah, it doesn't seem, but a friend of mine I saw some today was like, you know, if we don't manage to even salvage or change anything after this, then we might as well all just leave. Like, if after even something like that, still nothing changes, then, you know... You know, I've heard this phrase so many times of, we might as well just leave, and I honestly think this time around, I, this is a gut feeling born out of instinct. I think I think the, the level of despair is so high, and at the same time, the appetite for revenge is there, and I think people will, uh, will want to seek some justice before they leave. I, I fear. I fear in the near future, just in terms of the stability, countries unstable. Just in terms of the um, the level of violence that we have not seen, at least when it comes to sort of the average citizen having gone through too much. I, I, I think there will be some justice, yeah. and it may not look pretty, but that's that's uh, 
It's a gut feeling. Today there was, uh, uh, I mean, it's, these are sim symbolic moments, but again, they matter. So Macron is walking around Jamaisi. I mean, out of, out, of, out of joking, it's sort of out of humor. Uh, Lebanese are signing petitions saying, please bring the mandate back. It's, yeah, this is more out of desperation. It's not sort of, a, it's not really bringing the mandate back. It's more like, I mean, anything can be better than this. Uh, and there's also some other things happening the judge being shooed away immediately and also journalists somebody happened to know Timur Azhari it's just, it's a moment but it's important he's in Baabda and he's a journalist and he's reporting he shouts to the speaker of parliament Birri he says something that maybe Birri has never heard before he's like you know, the people are demanding that you leave the people are demanding that you go what is your response to that I have not heard someone ask him that question that way ever he's been around for a long time that kind of blunt sort of yeah the kind of uh, letting things out which needs to be done I think it's being done and it may, may be born out of a huge calamity um look no he kept walking but he clearly heard the question and for that reason I think just sort of kept walking um but uh, it's not, these are very different events, they're very different moments in Lebanese history. There was a massive explosion 15 and a half years ago. I did an episode about the special tribunal. Forget the politics, forget all of that, forget all of that. The fact is there was an explosion in the heart of Beirut and the consequence at least was that an old era ended. The Syrian army left, Lebanon sort of woke up a bit from that occupation politics aside there was a consequence and i sense there's going to be some consequence to what happened two days ago it's too early to tell but i do think i do think uh, the the power on the street is uh, is not um, it's not being tempered i think because of this moment i think it's going to have the opposite effect yeah and yeah. I think it's been building as well, right, Absolutely. since last year at the very least. Or it's been building actually through time, even um, well, medinity times. Like I feel like it's kind of gaining sort of, you know, some some speed and, and maybe become, I mean, these are all sort of milestones in a way. They're all like steps towards something. And I certainly do hope um, that it, even if it's not pretty, it's, I mean, it rarely is, um, Again, this is easy for me to say, not my country, I'm sitting here, but it feels like even that would be progress because it's hard to imagine, you know, when something like this happens, how much worse it could really get. Even if it's a small step, I think it'll be a small step in the right direction. And for Lebanon, it's oftentimes just baby steps over, over long periods of time. But it's maybe too early to tell. I won't go sort of yeah. down the rabbit, the tunnel of exploring hypothetical. No, no, no. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, this episode, Essen, it's it'll be on the on the on the YouTube channel afterwards, so you'll be able to watch it again if you want to see uh, my tomato face and your eloquence again. If you want to hear yourself uh, talking, I appreciate an unedited script. I appreciate you literally just letting me ask you questions after you sent me a message. I know that you love Beirut, and that's why I wanted you to be the first person. Uh, and that message hit home, because it's something we're both feeling. 
and it's a feeling that's not maybe uh, it's, it's it's hard to put in words, but you did you put it in words. So, I mean, I just want to just very quickly, if we have yeah, a moment, I just want to sort of I guess add, I mean, this is something that I think hit home for me what you said because it's something that I struggle with on because I as I said I made the decision to leave both Turkey and Syria. But not that I was never in Syria, but sort of that was something that I deeply believed in and, and was involved in, and you know, um, all of that though behind in 2018. And since I have, and I've you know, landed in the most safe, secure, stable place in the world. <laughs> And but it's something that I still battle with on a daily basis. You know, it's, it's something that, that I feel that contradiction very strongly. That sort of that yearning for just a normal life that everybody deserves, versus you know, the, I mean, you see Switzerland and you're like, this is how it's supposed to be everywhere in the world. This is the life that everybody deserves. Um, but versus feeling like because everybody actually very few people in the world actually have that it doesn't feel real and you want to be out there and you want to feel like you're in the real world with real people with real people problems and with you know your people that you love and support them and just be there with them and yeah as you said it's a very interesting sort of human and i'm not a psychologist but maybe worth talking to a psychologist about you know maybe in your next podcast or something what is it that makes us want to give up our own physical comfort for that sort of more emotional solidarity like you know these things that you know that feed our soul in a way i think i'll see the psychologist for my own reasons first and then maybe I'll ask him so what about the Lebanese story let me tell me about the whole region too and I think he'll commit suicide and I'll be like no no it's still alive for me (laughs) Hassan thank you so much we'll do another episode later about things that I think revolve around your work and and wider wider issues but again I appreciate this very friendly conversation really at the last minute you're very kind I'm very sad that it happened under these circumstances and uh, you know my heart bleeds for everything that Lebanon is going through um but hopefully in happier times we'll get to do this i again. hope so we will thank you Essen. i can't okay. bye-bye bye-bye okay. all right guys so i hope that uh, was very straightforward i think it should be me again alone and that's that yes all right so the next person is going to be farah berro farah is uh is an old friend and she's also uh, she has her own podcast she has two podcasts actually um, she's very talented at the podcasting uh, landscape so let's see She's not, uh, she's not online. Oh, there she is. Hey, Farah. Hey, uh, yeah, I just want to make sure that, are you there? Yes. Okay. And, oh, you're doing video. Excellent. Excellent. That's great. Uh, okay, so the connection is not. Oh, <laughs> Do you want to, do you want, well, okay, do you want to leave it as audio or would you rather stick on as video? Is video good for you? Oh. 
Well, there she goes. Okay. Well, I'll try calling her back one more time. See where she went. Hey, Farah. Farah, can you, um, do you hear me on your end? not. All right. Well, oh, there you are. Hey. Hey, I think it's, oh, there you, I see you now. Okay, let me, let me put you up on the, so it's okay. It's the first time I do this. I can, we're allowed to make mistakes. Let me add you. And let me just make sure you're coming in. And there you are. Hey, my friend. All right. Excellent. Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's just a little low on your side. Maybe the mic is a bit um, it's a bit muffled. No, it's still rather low. Hmm. That's odd. Well. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're not coming in right for some reason. I don't know. Um, I added you on Skype. Hey, okay, you're coming in now. You're coming in. Yes, yes, you're coming in now. Okay, that's great. Uh, Farah, I just, uh, oh yeah, you're much better now. There we go. I can hear you crystal clear. Um, actually, apparently the whole problem has been my voice. For some reason, no one can hear me. I have no idea what I'm doing wrong, though. But anyway, I think so far it's uh, it's working. Farah, you're your fellow podcaster uh, talking about all things Beirut <laughs> yeah. and um, yeah. I mean honestly I don't really know what to ask you I think uh, there's no proper question here it's really just I mean, forget 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 the podcast forget trying to reflect forget all of that forget sort of yeah just your immediate well-being I know that I mean it's silly for me to ask you, but are are you individually okay? I mean, is your is your home has was your home hit during the explosion? And I I know that you live sort of a little further up, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the distance doesn't really matter. Is your yeah? I mean, stupid question. I know. How, how are you doing? Oh, I understand it. Um, and I don't think it's stupid anymore. The, the question used to bother me before the blast. It used to be hard to answer that. And not really know where to start. And now, now it's almost like you want people to ask how you're doing and how you're holding up. That's, uh, it's hard now. And you're, I think at this moment, everyone's too busy um, silencing how they're other or at least a lot of us feel like we aren't entitled to complain because 
we made it out. Um, and it's not like a survival book thing. It's more of a just, I need to look out for them first. Yeah, of course. Um, and I need to, you know, center these people uh, on what's happening. It's not about me. Yeah. Like, I'm fine. It's some broken windows. I'm fine. You know, like, it's it's nothing. Um, Consider the, the sheer impact of what no, I I'm not close, let's say, but uh, we still felt it. We still damaged. But is, is your apartment in? I mean, did, did you eventually leave your home in Jaitewi? Yeah, I, I moved in January. Um, so now I'm in Nairobi, Finnish Bay. Right. Ever that you know intersection is? It's like three towns in one. Yeah. Um, so it's over there. Um, and yeah, the, at first it felt like an earthquake. It was just like, you know, this shaking and, and I almost kind of like stopped off like, of course we're going to have an earthquake, you know. <laughs> I, I it was legitimately like, okay, fine. Mark that one off the list. I wonder if this is going to be a big one. And then, it kind of lasted a bit longer. It was like, pretty constant. Uh, and then I kept the over to the bed, and we put the food and the glass. And that's when the panic comes in. What the fuck was that? Um, uh, your voice is just some reason I don't, I don't know what it is it's maybe like it's coming and going yeah um, yeah for some reason it comes really clear then it just sort of disappears a second later probably oh, the internet now, now I can hear you just fine again yeah it's probably the internet sorry about that so, yeah you're coming back yeah yeah sorry about that I, I look yeah. I I mean the reason I the reason I want to talk to you in particular and I, I mean, there's so many people I want to talk to, but I want to speak to you, is because we've had sort of these horrible moments that we've witnessed together. And, and just a few months ago, we were talking in person about sort of that kind of trying to hold on to something that's vanishing. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you could think of so many symbolic moments we've shared. I think Alan was giving his speech while you and I were like watching him on TV and we're laughing at him. But it's a laughter out of uh, out of almost like fear. It's like how can this person still be around? And not forget the analysis, forget all that. Just in terms of we've we've seen kind of tragedy unfolding. The last time we spoke, I think, was in January, and then we had a private conversation maybe in March or April, and it's kind of that. Uh, almost like yes things can get worse and they will continue to get worse and that said that said for the life of me I never 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 imagined something like this happening never uh, I think I think living here especially in the last year you learn never to say that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you never to say it can't get worse right um Especially because it's just been on this deep decline for the last, I'd say, six months. It's the first 
two months and a half or so of the revolution were almost like euphoric and they, they were such a like such yeah. a high um it was it was so intoxicating and and it's really really heartbreaking to go downtown or at least before the blast to be in downtown and feel like yeah um it just kind of evaporated and if it weren't for the graffiti on the walls you feel like it never happened by walking through there that's amazing it's like it was just a few months ago it's not like this is not uh, history this this is really just yeah yeah and, and now this yeah no no one ever imagined something like this um you know we had these like apocalyptic kind of jokes during lockdown and everything that's been happening here is like saying like what is it going to take for people to you know give up and ask of course demand yeah. what is it going to take to shake us out of this you know we're just like constantly going into survival mode and we're okay we're that okay we're around this okay we'll figure out how to move and get all this things out we'll we'll make it work we'll make it work we'll make it work and you know you, you have so many of us are saying like how are we still just going with it but at the same time we were doing it too because it was like there was just so much there was so much um, people were so drained and so tired and lockdown killed off so much of the morale that people had left their businesses were just in free fall and the the currency was in free fall and the banks were just making it so much harder for anyone to do anything um And this, this, this explosion, it was just like, I, I still don't even know how to, like, I can't, I cannot imagine anything beyond the next few hours in front of me, and I could tell people this, and like, I don't know if it makes sense, because I don't know if it's that I don't want to and there's like this internal fear of trying to think about what could be after this and once we once we finish cleaning or once we kind of digest what right. just went down I don't know if it's me not being able to because of everything in front of us is just too big or if it's just legit fear of what's waiting for us like are, are we going to know how to come out of this are we gonna go back to what we're I, I, I mean like, personally no. I can't I can't even imagine that and this is something for me I I just cannot see a going back in time it's impossible even if it happens it'll be it'll be impossible for me to digest but this kind of uh, level of tragedy and I mean Look, it's an area that you and I have only known each other. I don't think I've ever seen you outside of this part of Beirut anyway. I mean, half the city has been hit, but in particular, in particular, around the porch, amazing modern khalid. This is what I associate with when it comes to Beirut. For better or worse, that's that's where I spend most of my time. Maybe I'm lucky that I spend most of my time there, but still, that's the part of Beirut that I've, over time, identified with more and more. It doesn't matter, though. The fact is that, that that part of the city, 
uh, is so badly damaged and so many people lost their lives just because they happened to be close enough to the explosion and was it 4,000, 5,000 injured? Over 5,000 and over 150 dead, I think, at this point. I last checked. I I don't know. Could be. I don't know. But but too many died and too many. This the statistics aside, the fact that this thing happened in the middle of the city, and it shook everyone to their core. I just can't. I can't imagine it anymore. I really can't imagine it. Going back and just sort of saying, well, this is part of life in Lebanon. It's too much. And it's not, uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe this, this isn't that I have just from, you know, being here throughout the last few months and and feeling like we've become so desensitized to everything that happens to us. And almost, it's almost like because we've been traumatized and we're being here, it's like we, we feel like we need to yeah. to survive. Yeah. Um, and like even now, you hear a lot of people saying like, you know, we're, we're saying it was just less, it was just less. At least I'm alive. At least I'm alive. At least I'm alive. And while that's true, and while that's 100 percent, and yes, it only matters. If, you know, everything else is misery. But at the same time, it's like, why is that ever anything? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all. <laughs> hundred percent, I agree with you with that. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's almost... Yeah. So. And yeah, feel, I mean, at least now, people don't feel like they have much to lose anymore. I mean, I, that's horrible. Um, but there, there is that, you know, that sense of maybe that level of desperation will be something that level of anger and rage. And right now, I don't think people have really digested it. We're yeah. still seeing it happen. We're still right. pulling people out. You're absolutely right. And I think it's too early to tell just how, how much rage... Yeah, the, the rage will come. I mean, it's um, it's too soon. And I actually... So I... I'm sorry I kind of went down that path a bit, but uh, it's just... It's, yeah, it, it's too shocking. And I think... Uh, I, I'll, be, I'll be extremely shocked if things just sort of fall back to inertia. Um, Farah, I just want to, so I'm doing this throughout the episode. Um, I sort of want to just try to shed light on as many people listening or watching as possible. There's many NGOs taking money. Um, I've been recommending the Red Cross over and over, been recommending the Just Giving uh, page for um, Impact Lebanon. And I, I think, so I spoke to a guest earlier, Essen, she said that it may have already sort of hit their, their, their requirement I could have an old statistic but they're still taking money there's also a bunch of other ones and I, I just want to share one in particular it's Caritas and Caritas I think they've made it their landing page so I, I hope that's the page that now people see on uh, I have no idea what I'm doing Te- technical technical uh, issues are not my thing um, but I think it is working so I've linked up their donations page and I'm just going to also link up the link to their donations page and I appreciate you letting me do this while we talk because again I am uh, I'm an amateur and okay there it is so they're still taking money Caritas is I think probably one of the more well-known ones and there's another one that I think deserves also recognition 
especially right now it's going back they've been around for the last i think over a year now it's uh, embraced lebanon uh, they take donations right away. So I've also s sort of screenshotted their donations page, and they're taking, I think, donations in any currency you want, <laughs> I think. And I'm going to just um, include their link as well because I don't know how to do these things the normal way. So there's their link. Good. People are seeing it. That's the good thing. There are people watching and listening. That's that's the most important thing. Uh, can I ask you, Farah, your own... I mean, I associate you with optimism, and I'll say this carefully. Uh, you work for a podcast that's called A Better Beirut. <laughs> you have a uh, another podcast that delves with the story of wine, and it's very good. And you have also a... I mean, you're in the Whole Foods kind of industry. You're in the ex import, export, whatever. In other words, I always think of you as somebody stable and constant in the Lebanese landscape. And I used to associate myself with that kind of optimism too, by the way. Uh, and then I kind of drifted into the, uh, to the unknown. And now I do a strange dance between being in Lebanon and not being in Lebanon. That's just a very bad introduction to asking. Uh, I mean, do you, the happier things that you focus on, or maybe the more optimistic sort of role you play, I mean, do you see this as a chapter closing? That, uh, that I mean, I don't... No, no, and the reason I ask you, Farah, the reason I ask you is because I don't. I actually... The first moment I have, personally, I'm, I'm heading back, and, and even for the most negative, pessimistic outcome of this tragedy, that I, I can't, the inertia is pulling me back, and I wish I was there right now. So I, as somebody who's kind of in this world, I'm curious if that kind of being there, is that something that's, I'm, I'm being too stupid to even think that at this point. donations and they're trying to do whatever they can but I think they just feel like it's it's not enough and they want to physically be present and physically be helping and you know lifting class yes being here uh, and I think it's hard to be you know in a world where that's not the reality um, so you have to keep you know living your daily life like things are fine because everyone else isn't affected by this the way you are so, like, I've felt that in moments here, when things have happened within the country. So I can't imagine when you're abroad and your entire world keeps running, whereas, like, yeah. in your head, you're just frozen. Um, and I know seeing that blast probably was so intense for people who aren't here as well. Uh, I was saying, saying this to someone today that, you know, the only reason I didn't see it and think there is no Beirut anymore is because I was still here. Right. It was such a, such a huge, like, it's not something you fathom yeah. really exist. really have, um, and especially in your own city. Um, 
but as far as optimism, um, I felt that waning for a while uh, before this. Like it was, it was spreading thin, and I was I was having so much trouble trying to find a source of it. And actually, whenever I would read people being optimistic and saying we rise again and we are the phoenix, I do the same thing. By the way, that word to me belongs in the dustbin. I, I yeah, yeah. I would be just infuriated because it, I felt like that was the problem was this like this delusionary kind of um, you know putting all the responsibility on us that we are supposed to overcome all of this and we figure we're supposed to ignore all of the the sources of the disease you know like these are just um, side effects it's fine uh, you know, we'll we overcome, we always do. And, you know, because that's who we are. We're people who overcome adversity. Up to a point, I guess. I mean, yeah. I was getting... <laughs> I was like, I I don't want yeah. this bullshit. I don't want... Uh, I don't want to be the person who has to struggle to survive and be grateful that I'm surviving. Yeah. Like, I... And I think all of us deserve so much more than that. Um, and we just we've been we've been abused so much to the point that we feel like this is what we deserve. Um, and yeah, the optimism is hard to phrase in that sense. Uh, I'm optimistic when I see the roof, when I see people on the ground helping each other, when I see you know we're still. Um, lifting each other up but at the same time it's even that has become really sweet because I know where it comes from I know that knowing how to do that knowing that we need to do that comes from being disappointed disenfranchised um, neglected knowing that the state will never show up for you you know it's not yes I'm proud of my people I'm so I'm astonished by the the strength everyone has but it's also like it's becoming this yeah. robotic mode that you go into and shit hit the fan again. Okay, we gotta go. We gotta report. You know, like it's it's our duty to each other, not to the country, not to anything else, just to each other. Because we know if it were us, we would help us if we don't. So it's it's almost like the I guess the rose colored glasses have been like yeah. <laughs> I hate it because sometimes I feel like I'm starting to sound like my parents and I'm starting to sound kind of not not bitter but like you know the phrases you get like okay go ahead go ahead and try go ahead and protest it's not going to change anything with that attitude of like yeah okay go ahead that's actually a very 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 good observation that uh, it's sort of wise words maybe that they there's reasons why this we've heard this over and over maybe, and maybe it just puts things in perspective that this country has been cursed for a very long time I, and I agree with you by the way that I used to I mean I used to think that kind of logic is just too too pessimistic too maybe even depressing you try anyway 
But then this level, this level of intense sort of pain, this is not the lira wobbling. This is not, uh, or crashing. This is not uh, lines for food. I mean, this is that you're living in a city now that you can die, just for the fact that you're living in a city. I mean, that's, uh, that's incompetence at a level that is, it's so criminal. So that, 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 I think, is maybe where it comes from. Maybe those old sort of uh, hesitations. It's that they experienced what it's like to live in a place where you can suddenly just vanish for the simple fact that you're living there. Yeah, and they're worried of, you know, having hope and yeah. getting disappointed again and raising expectations and hoping something will happen and then you get crushed again and or something else drops out of Absolutely. the sky. Or, yeah. You know, like, all of these things, you know, they just kind of, they come out of nowhere and they, they come in, not threes, in twelves. I don't know, it's like, you know, I, I don't want to get to the point where I'm resenting the country in the same way that a lot of the diaspora do, or even the people that we hear, you know, you have a lot of the uh, older generation here have this resentment for what the country has done to that, or the ruling class has done to that. Uh, the diaspora, but it's not resentment because they hope the country is resentment because they don't want to less. They don't want to be forced out. They don't want to miss their family all the time. They don't want to worry about them when this kind of shit happens because they know the infrastructure, the, the system isn't there. I think the resentment comes from so many different sources, but I don't think yeah. As they hate I, 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 I completely agree with you. Otherwise, what, what would the point be if they hated the country? On the contrary, no, I, I share that sentiment one hundred percent. This is born out of, I mean, this is deep disillusionment, but also there's so much love in the mix too. So it's yeah. Other without that, I mean, there's nothing. Without without that kind of uh, attachment, it's nothing. You know, I so, I mean, this is an unedited, unscripted, very out of, very on a whim idea. I just am trying to, trying to, as much awareness as I can make for these sort of select NGOs and a bunch of other ones in the details box. I've been doing that the last two days, and I was doing it alone, and I just wanted to speak to people that I, that I love, people that I miss, people that I, I just want to hear their pain. It's stupid and selfish, but I just want to hear their pain. And right before, right before no. speaking to you, I actually mentioned this, that I'd rather suffer with people I love than suffer alone. So that's, um, even if the location is stable compared to uh, Lebanon, I actually would rather be in Jumezi right now, helping. I'd rather be in the middle of it than being away from it. And I just want to hear that people I care about are okay. In that best of ways, forget their actual... I mean, I know no one's okay psychologically. I know no one's okay. Even some people are not okay physically. They're injured, and there are people that unfortunately have died as a result of this. I just want to hear people's voices, people that I, that I care for. So you're very kind to give me your time. So thank, thank you. Thank you. Person. You know, I, I want to talk to people. I want people to keep talking about this. I want... I think it's important for not just for people who are, you know, watching what's happening here. Um, maybe they have no relation to Lebanon and they've never been here. Maybe they lived here at some point. Whoever it is, I think we need to be reminded that, you know, there are people here. It's not just this 
massive explosion that happened and it's destruction. It's not just buildings, it's people's lives. It's their, their whole history. It's their whole... It's it's almost the only thing they had left with what was happening. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I, I think they need to hear from people here on the ground and it doesn't have to always be rosy it doesn't have to be you know, this encouraging message of hope uh, anything they need to see is this pain is um, you know repetitive trauma yeah. Uh, yeah. and trauma for a new generation too yeah. um, my sister is 19 and uh, her friends were in Zimbabwe when the blast went off and uh, they were kind of stunned into silence. They didn't talk. They're, they're, they're traumatized. Of and and it's not like these kids haven't already been through a couple of rounds at this. Almost like their entire lives have been. And they're, they're just barely like in the book. Yeah. And I feel. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know even what to tell these people that are, are too young to have to deal with. I mean, this is not something you should deal with at any point in your life. And here they are, sort of young and ambitious and just wanting to have a normal day, probably. In gymnasium or Madam Khayr, they have nothing. Just having a good day. They're trying to have a good day in a country that's falling apart, and then they have to deal with something like this on top of everything. Yeah. I, yeah. But, but then again, they have people like you that are able to share some uh, hope and optimism in your way. And I, I really, this is why I want to speak to you. You seem to be, against all odds, somebody that I sort of uh, want to hear from time to time, that there's some hope on the horizon, even when things are horrible. And I, I know that that is why you've stuck it out this long. And I know that you're somebody that could leave at any moment. You, you have the privilege of packing up and going at any point, and you're still in Lebanon. That, that that kind of uh, politics of hope, if you will, I think that's the phrase that I stole from someone, uh, I think is, is quite attractive. So, I uh, yeah, I, I will speak on the side. We'll have more conversations. I, and I wouldn't want to paint me as some kind of... Um, I'm not a hero for that. I'm not... not you know, I think the fact that I have the opportunity makes it easier... It's easy to stay sometimes because mm-hmm. you always have that way out. Um, but I also don't. Like, I won't. I'm not going to glorify being yeah, here. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, being here has its sacrifices and has its You know, both choices um, are not easy for the person who chooses them, and. As much as I want to be optimistic, it's it's so much harder lately. Like before the blast, I you know like there were days where I felt like I didn't want to get out of bed. I throw myself off the floor. It it was just it was getting so difficult, and I'm relatively lucky in comparison to so many other people here. And now with this newfound disaster um, I I don't know where to find that uh, and I don't know if I'm supposed to be, like it's 
for better or worse, and I think this is probably a feeling shared the world over, it's for better or worse, it's too soon, I think, to write this moment off as one that people will go back to the usual bad habits or that people will actually finally change what we're used to. But for better or worse, I think we're in the middle of it. And I think uh, in the coming days, in the coming weeks, I think if there's still that glimmer, I, it better shine because uh, I, I don't want to wait any longer for things to improve. I think this is the last straw. And I, I, I'm sorry for taking the conversation a bit down the uh, sort of the more um, the more painful route, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll catch up more, Farah. And I, I want to just mention this before you sort of leave that forget my podcast. You guys are the ones that kind of gave birth. I think you were maybe at the beginning with the Lebanese politics podcast, a better Beirut. So you're, I mean, I know the, I know the episodes have slowed down a bit, but you're still there from time to time. You're releasing episodes and your own personal podcast, Be for Bacchus, which I still listen to from time to time, even has nothing to do with what's happening. I appreciate the stories that take me away a bit from the injury. So, regardless, this will be up later. You'll see it uh, released as a standard episode. And uh, I'll continue with the donations. And uh, Farah, thank you so much. You're very kind to give me your time during this very, 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 very delicate phase. So, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Okay, so... I apologize uh, for the bit of a lag, I think, in terms of the quality of the video and audio. I kind of picked up on it a bit, but I think it's back to normal. I hope it's back to normal. And right now I'm going to be calling Drew Khayel, uh, somebody that I know from Beirut from uh, years back, somebody who's been on the podcast as well, a very good guy, a guy that I think from time to time I sort of just like to pick his brains on geopolitics, but uh, I think for the moment we're going to be avoiding geopolitics and just talking about uh, the moment that we're going through. So let me find him again because I accidentally deleted him, and here he is. Good. I'm going to call him right now. Good man. There we go, the British internet quality. I mean, look at that. Your haircut is shining. <laughs> and your, be and your beard. <laughs> it is, yes. Well, uh, huh, huh. my friend, I'm just going to... Okay, I, I, I mean, I, am I coming out okay? Can you hear me when I speak? So I'm going to ignore all these other comments I'm getting in private messages. People are sending me messages saying, no one can hear you. I'm like, come on. So, my friend, I just need to get you on the feed. So, I guess I'm an amateur at this. I will literally sync you up right now. You are Drew Mikhail, and you're here. You're crystal clear. And let's put you on the screen and make sure that I'm not ruining your your beautiful image whatever <laughs> such a charmer as always and by the way before we get really into this Anthony just sent me a message he says say hello do what Anthony says he'll kill me the next time I see him I think so. he called me as well but I couldn't answer I just sort of like hung up on him by accident he's probably watching this I should I should answer yeah, his I'm, call there's a guy that we need on the show well, yeah, with a few beers I think it's Anthony I have him I have he knows this and he's okay with this I have a I have an unreleased episode with Anthony about uh, 
about things that I think Anthony was a, was was pissed off about, and I was like, I, I can't release this. I don't know what to do with this. So I've locked it up. I think over time it'll come out. You know, what mesh what after everything that has happened, we need as many. <laughs> Should I willing to say? Whatever, yeah, 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 go ahead, please. Whatever the fuck they want, especially right now, especially right now, we can't pussyfoot around, we can't, like, beat around the bush, we've just got to come out and say what we've known intrinsically and empirically for a long time. Okay, so, you know, I, I, like, look, I, first of all, first of all, the fact that you're even uh, giving me your time, that's a lot, and I want to just make sure that... I want to make sure that there's uh, so I, I've been trying to kind of sync up the donations pages I think they're showing up I'm not sure I'm going to do one more right now for Live Love Lebanon so we should both fade away and that'll be the page for Live Love Lebanon now I've been basically redu uh, releasing episodes with these links available but I thought this episode in particular I'll just sort of make it as part of the episode itself the good news is there's an international audience that I mean, you're probably well aware of this yourself. They've been um, contacting me like night and day, trying to figure out how to help. So I literally, I'm like, I can't, like, it doesn't make sense to simply reply to each message one by one. Try. People have different curiosity and they have maybe different amounts they're willing to donate. So I thought, you know what? Just make an episode and make it accessible. Glad you're letting, you're letting me do this on top of talking to you. So I, I appreciate that. No, me, me, I mean, 100%. I've been, like, blowing up my social media, just telling everyone that these are the places that I know are good. These are the places I'm, I've donated. I have my own personal donations. Um, Barbell House in Pasteur Street, opposite MZ, you know, that's so, got completely shattered. So yes. I send money to them. I mean, we're all devastated by this, and we're all trying to do what we can. And... Really, if there's any positives, and there are a few positives, and I do, especially after Fellow's heartbreaking call, that you know that we all feel that as well. And there's diaspora people who aren't there, we're itching to be involved somehow, and it's been really heartwarming to see the international response here in Belfast City. We one of the councillors uh, spent time ten years in Beirut, and he in uh, the Lebanese flags colours last night. So I, I saw this. You, you shared this, I think. I, you shared it on your. Yes, so that was in Belfast. Yes, uh, it, looked, it looked beautiful. So it did. It did. My uh, my nephews and niece were taken down a little bit before I went. It, it it wasn't quite dark enough at that point to see it, but then I walked down around about eleven, around about twelve, and avoided uh, all the traffic and any kind of social closeness just to have a free run just sort of have a quiet yeah. moment with myself because obviously being from both cities it was yeah it's hard to put into words what it means to me to feel that closeness there at least knowing that I can't be in Beirut now but I can do all that I can yeah 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 no, it's, it's strangely symbolic too that you're just sort of standing there watching your two cities unite in a way it was a very, it was a very, yeah. very, very beautiful image. I, I actually, I, for some reason, I didn't think it was Belfast. I thought it was maybe London or anything, but it was very, very appropriate. Yeah, that, that's me not advertising, not doing social media. Right? No, well, yeah, no, it's it, me not using my logic. It's like, yes, he's in Belfast. Most <laughs> likely, it's in Belfast. Drew, can, can I ask you just? Uh, I mean, your own sort of 
your own contacts, your own friends, people you care for. I, I think a lot of our story overlaps. So are they are they okay? Yeah. Yes, everyone um, I know is gone. Uh, they're fine. Um, obviously, like everyone else, like yourself, we were up all night. People who are incredibly, incredibly close proximity to uh, the blast that I am just so eternally grateful that they're they're still around. I have honestly no idea. People, some within fifty meters, and there's a disbelief. Sorry, fifty I mean, meters I mean, of what of. 50, 50 meters within, within the blast radius. Me. 50 meters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, people, you know, because this is the story, and um, Justin Salhani yeah. and I were talking sure. about this yeah. yesterday. That, that the fact is, is this hits everyone. Where that, uh, where the hangar is, at the proximity of the port to the autostrad, everyone comes in and out yeah. of that way. Everyone, if you're on service, you're in a car, you travel that road. It's palpable sense that. This could have been any one of us at any given day, sparring an hour, yeah. uh, ten minutes, whatever. I'm just thankful um, that uh, that you know. Obviously, there's been great destruction and death, and and, and a number of my friends have lost people. Um, but so far, as to your question, I'm very grateful um, for the people that are still around. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm shocked that no one I know. I, I know people that are injured. I know I know buildings that are gone. I have you know, my my parents. My my mom's across the city, end of Bliss Street. There was damage done right. to the apartment. So I think I mean the fact that if you're in Beirut, there's a very good chance you were going to have some material damage. But I'm I'm very lucky that no one I know is dead. And that's such a stupid thing yeah. to say. But it's a very uh, it's just the reality. Uh, I know my, no, my injuries are, are horrible, and I know that everyone that is injured will be okay. But just the fact that this explosion and that, for whatever reason, uh, very, very, for, very lucky, very lucky. I mean, especially, uh, uh, I'm in sent me a text immediately after it happened, and he showed me a video, and, you know, we're talking about, like, non-human emotions. My first reaction to seeing the explosion was to laugh because it didn't seem yeah, real. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It seemed, yeah. it seemed like something from Independence Day. It didn't seem real. It seemed like someone had manufactured that using CGI. I, and I couldn't, like, literally my body, my mind couldn't compute what I was seeing. So as a defense mechanism, I have to laugh <laughs> because the, the rot destruction that you see in all these videos, and I, I had to stop watching them a couple yeah, of days ago because it was too much to watch. Understand that that singular moment that represents decades worth of shit governance by shit leadership has change people's lives for the worse right now and going forward. So it sort of like became very emotional to continue watching that damage over. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. And it's it's not that you're watching a normal I mean, I say this as somebody who's lived in a city that has known many explosions. This is not a normal explosion. There have been horrible explosions that have taken lives in Beirut many years and many years. This is not a normal explosion. This atomic Sort of this, not atomic. Sorry, this mushroom cloud in itself, and the fact is that it's the port. You know, the port. Mm-hmm. I mean, thank God it's in the port. Imagine it's just a little closer. Imagine it's just you know slightly closer. Imagine that warehouse was just maybe you know closer to Shanghai. You have you have many more casualties. Mm-hmm. 
So, the, I mean, for better or worse, it's one of those last warehouses in the port, but it left mm-hmm. such a massive crater. You know these wheat mm-hmm. silos, for me? I think of them always during the Civil War, the last years of the Civil War, and the early post-war years. There was always a few that were not repaired, but they still needed to be repaired. Around to smithereens. And which amazing modern Khayel in, in rubble. Right. This is not these right. are not standard explosions. And I say this very carefully. Mm-hmm. These are not standard explosions for, for Beirut. This is a No, I mean Yeah. Yeah. Dan, you made a really important point regarding the damage destruction to Marmi Khayel and Jamesa. And I just wanted to just touch on that yeah, for a little bit. And for your listeners and all, the earlier point earlier on in the podcast, which was the fact that Marnechan and Jamesi is often the far end hangout, the young interns, everyone who's coming for their Beiruti experience in the Arab world and the part oriental, sort of orientalist. Are you talking about someone place. I know? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, exactly. You know, you. I mean, I lived in Jeddah, yeah, right? right? So You're more authentic. Yeah, yeah, very close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have to walk through, walking through the crowds every night, and you hear the same experiences. No, I didn't. Young people who are exploring the Middle East, that's fine. I've sent students to Beirut, and they've loved yeah. it, and they've lived around this area. And it was a haven. Yes. Right? It was always the place that, despite the fact that whatever else was going on in the country, whatever else was going on in the, in the wider region, you almost, it was the escapism. My Mikhail, Jamezi, was the place where you could go with your your coffee and you can type on your laptop and then you have your beers later yeah. and you can go home feeling about yourself. Yeah. But this, this explosion physically and mentally destroyed that image, yeah. which is awful and terrible and bad, but and really because the last, as you know, and thank you for your message a couple of weeks ago, um, it was... It was a hard couple of weeks, and this topped it off. And so I'm trying to look for the positives, which is the fact that no more. This is the final, final fucking straw. You cannot go on life as normal after this. You cannot see the absolute criminal negligence resulting such a massive explosion destroying the one part of the city that a lot of people came to enjoy. And just... You know, like nothing else has ever happened. Some this is the watershed moment, and you're right. If it goes back to normal and inertia, and we just carry on as per, I, I, I can't. You know, I can't fathom staying this emotionally involved in the country. I mean, because, as I we know, completely we, agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, with Felda, there was a, there was the upper. We took the upper with Felda, mm-hmm. and then we had the massive come down with the hyperinflation. Yeah. And everyone we know that had their ups during Felda were completely crushed, including myself. I was there in November, and I, unfortunately, you know, bouncing around in different conflict zones, and then the lockdown. So it was an important point to that actually that I think that there was a lot of steam coming out of the movement at that point. Yeah. That, that is at least one positive is that that has to be given a vital shot of the The anger is palpable. There's, the no, is palpable. there's nothing left in terms of, there are no more, any hesitation in the past, and, and this is from my own eyes, it, to not, for things to go back to the way, the way they usually are, would mean that we overestimate we really got things wrong that it's so important 
for, for Lebanon to remain paralyzed. And that doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Right. It wouldn't add up. It just would. So I, I cannot see. I cannot see it going back. And I say this without any sort of, this is just instinct, that... Um, if you're unable to live in Beirut today, when the the state, whatever you want to call it, the the thing that emerged after the civil war, if it's literally now unable to protect half of Beirut from ammonium nitrate, and I mean, 2,700 tons is not a joke. No, and the, no, this was sitting. It's a cartoonish amount. And you know what? I'll say this. I haven't said it yet on any sort of podcast or any outlet. Even, even if it's there for, let's say, one group's curiosity, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I don't think anyone, anyone, there's no logical reason to put that much there at any point in time, whether it's for good or bad, it doesn't matter. The fact is it was put there for years with enough people aware and nothing was done. So therefore, if you're able to now, if you're walking down the street in certain neighborhoods in Beirut, and there's a chance that you'll get killed, what what more is there to to protest? I mean, that's it. That you're now you're living in a, a society where the state is violently attacking you and killing you and destroying your property. So if, because it doesn't care, and if it doesn't, that is yeah, 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 right. But I mean that. What other options are there left for people? I'm seeing something which I didn't see before: rage, and it's 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 beginning. The rage that you see people that are yearning for that horrible form of justice, looking for revenge. And I'm seeing it, and I think that, I, and I really believe that in the near future, there's going to be a lot of. This can't just be swept under the rug. There's no way. No, I've rambled. No, no, I've rambled a bit. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. You, you've hit. You've hit on a number of important points that I couldn't quite put words to. The fact is, is, there's, there's an, there's a duty of care in the state, right? We pay, and we expect the state to take care of some basic minimums, which is, don't put explosive material next to the places in which we fucking live. All right. So we don't walk around and get blown up by your negligence and incompetence. And the fact that the real kicker is that they didn't even care in the first place to look after it. They didn't care to put it somewhere safe. They didn't care to make sure that it was updated or the, the place in which it was stored was updated. And then the immediate aftermath, what we saw on Twitter was like a lot of like conspiracy jockeys and dickheads who were going on about like trying to pass blame or trying to create some other whatever in my heart now unless obviously there may be still questions to come out right fine yes but and ask yourself this running as well is that in my heart i was like this is the moment that we all expected because i used to describe lebanon and living in lebanon as everyday violence you deal with everyday violence you the moment you open your eyes and you walk out the door it's violent, and not in an overly confrontational way, and not even in a particularly distasteful or unpleasant way. There's you're arguing with the Serbian star, <laughs> someone's almost. Oh, that, that level of violence. That's just living there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're walking to the street. You. Yeah. The puddle. This is daily. Sure. Yeah. Well said. Yes.
take a part of the apparatuses of the state itself. But, that, but, but it was controllable. I mean, that, that level of violence was something people could... This level, you can, you can survive. You can make your way. You can live. This, this, what we're seeing now is, is beyond that. It's where this violence is coming from uh, tons of ammonium nitrate. Mismanaged. I mean, and it's not like this is not a surprise to anyone. It's, that's that's the that's the horrible thing. That's been there for years. Exactly. And people were caught off guard. What do you do with this ship coming in with all this ammonium nitrate? We don't know what to do. And then hours later, there's an explosion. No, it was taken, it was stored incorrectly, and then left. Mm -hmm. Left. And then suddenly, like one one incident, whatever that incident is. A fire, fireworks going off, whatever, you're gonna have, have the city explode. So the, yeah, so that's like I mean I, I agree with you that living in living in Lebanon has its risks. You can be in a building that's going to collapse because of uh, co codes that were used incorrectly, cheating, corruption, uh, potholes do kill people on the highway. Um, I mean there's 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 all there's many forms of violence that you deal with day to day. But, but this yeah. is different. This is incineration. Right. Yeah. This is active genocide <laughs> in some kind of way through yeah. negligence, through criminal... ...into proper police. And again, this was absolutely something that Anthony said on an internet. I should I'm shout out for him. Work in the street. Right. It's people. It's everyone is banding yeah. together. So I'm not going to have any of this like inherently divided society. Okay, that's either political. They make sure that they can replicate their power to grow the public's the coffers so they can place their clients in it. And the people out in the street right now aren't the number, well, there are emergency services, there are people who are there's the Lebanese Red Cross of course please donate you know thank you, um, thank you actually uh, I'm going to interrupt yeah. you for a moment just one second I'm just going to put their, their page up one more time I, I left yes. them alone a yes. little too long so let me just put them back up yeah. we can keep talking yeah so sorry go ahead yeah None of the state representatives. It's us. It's us who are trying to address. Them. That's the that's the magic of being. Uh, that's really what it's all about. That's what being Lebanese is. You take right. matters into your own hands and you protect the people from the from the politics of Lebanon, and you do it. I mean, right. I, know, I, I really. I mean, I. It's small, and I mentioned it earlier, but it still resonates. Ministry of Just Minister of Justice thrown away from Jemaisi trying to walk in today doesn't matter it's just a bit of water mm -hmm. it's just a bit of shouting but the fact that mm -hmm. she was afraid mm -hmm. to walk in she tried she failed she left Macron mm -hmm. not a Lebanese president <laughs> but for whatever reason he's thrown in there and like treated like a king right and I know that you can play with this as much as you want 
you can sort of make yeah. fun of it. And I think the I think the yearning for Macron is more out of desperation than anything. But the fact is, a foreign president is being treated with respect. He's done nothing. He's done absolutely nothing. All he did was walk in Jamaisi, Madame Khalid, by port, went up to Babda for a few minutes. Went, that's it. That's all he did, and he's being celebrated. Not one Lebanese official, not one. Not one. Has even tried to do the right thing. This means showing up two days later to try to be one of the people doesn't doesn't fly. Just doesn't fly. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to do that <laughs> because there hasn't been accountability. They haven't acted like representatives. Mm-hmm. So how do they know? They've acted like they've managed their fiefdoms and they've gone, all right, Alice, that's all we need to do. So they don't, in a real disaster, they don't actually know how to, in which they can't point the blame at the other community or against Israel, or against refugees, despite the fact that uh, Shehead, who's level three, like Voldemort, not named certain son-in-law, will not name right now, has tried to blame refugees. They can't point the blame at anyone else but their gross negligence. So the old trick was to go, oh, you know who's to blame for this? It's those guys. Yeah, yeah, no. And whenever that's not available, this is what they do. You see their true colors. And the, um, just as a quick point, the fact is is that Lebanese have become so resilient because even just taking from the establishment of Greater Lebanon, <laughs> a mandate ter- ter- a mandate, a Vichy government, an independence movement, two civil wars, occupation by Syria, occupation by Israel. Like what, uh, what more? What more could you ask for? <laughs> Right, okay, so the idea is like, you know, building up resilience is like muscle confusion in the gym. You've got to treat it with new ways to like break down your muscle uh, fiber. Drew, you did it. You brought, in, you brought in the gym reference to Good for you. <laughs> so in that sense, the Lebanese are like the Arnold Schwarzeneggers of resistance, you know, the, yeah. the Mr. Olympia of resistance, because they've been through everything. Yeah. And they've re- how many times have they rebuilt their... How many times did they rebuild um, Beirut? Okay. After 82, 2006, right? You mentioned the blast in 2005, okay? This has been something that's played out before, but there's always been that external other that that could be blamed. Yeah, yeah. and this one, I mean, you can't... I mean, you can try and you won't get far in trying to blame the other. You can blame the way Lebanon functions, and that includes many, many problems. But it does not excuse putting that much ammonia nitrate in the port, yeah, across the street from thousands, tens of thousands of Lebanese who are going to suffer and lose their homes, and hundreds of thousands have damage. I mean, it, yeah, it's staggering. It's just, it's, it's so, it's beyond comprehension, actually. Drew, with your permission, and I need your veto here. I'd like to include Nadine Shadi with us. So I'd like to lure him in, yeah. Sure, and I, uh, Yeah, it would be a pleasure. And Nadim is a, you know, a wonderful mind on Lebanon, and it would be hear his voice and hear his views. I need backup whenever uh, Nadim comes uh, back on the episode these days. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And also, you know, I think that I'll behave much <laughs> Start trying to enter. But that's not right. No, no, on the contrary. I need you to act... The way you okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's let's see if he picks up. Um, I think uh, I tried getting him on at four forty-five. Let's see if he's if he's around. Nadim, Nadim, calling on Skype. 
and while he uh, while he waits, while he answers, I'm just going to go back to the live love Lebanon page. Yeah, I'll just sort of put that back up. So let's see if he's. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. I honestly don't know what to do other than this. I mean, people are just asking for ways to donate, and yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Money is so critical at this stage. Okay, so calling the dean back because apparently he hung up by accident, and I think he's here, and the man is around. Yes, there he is, Nadima. <laughs> I'm just going to add you into the episode. Give me one second, Nadim. I'm just going to put you in because you're not showing up yet. One second. All right, where did you go, Nadim? There you are. So. No, you're not showing up. Yeah, I can hear you now. Let me see. Uh, you know what? <laughs> you always look. You, you always look cool, Nadine. Always. I think. Uh, I think I figured out what the issue was. And there you are. Hey. Oh, you're visible. Nadim, always looking uh, ready to ready to pontificate. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Okay. And I think you guys are both on with me at the moment. Yes, you are. Excellent. So, Nadim, I'm sorry that this is all sort of on a whim, but I've been trying the last few days to just generate as many donations as possible. And I, I did sort of get people sending me money, trying to sort of have me send it on to the Red Cross, which is what I've been doing. But I thought that I would include as many as many other NGOs as possible. So I've been doing this throughout the episode. You should also, because I know you have a new staff for the Red Cross, who have money in the Lebanese banks, so they can't access. Mm. They can easily donate from that. From that, they can They can do electronic transfers from dollar accounts in Lebanon to dollar accounts in Lebanon. Because of the restrictions that were lifted today, in terms of the yes, right, right. Really, no, not because of the, because of the restrictions. They they just transfer dollars basically. Oh, I see. I see. They will simply lose. Yeah, right. Drew, Drew, you're still there. I, I, you, you yeah, first was there. Yeah, uh, right. I'm not being very stoic. No, no, no. You're, yeah, yeah, you're stoic. Yeah, you're stoic. I'm actually, I'm, I'm glad to have you both for this conversation. Um, can I just get your opinion, Nadim, on the 
Well, first and foremost, let me ask you a more urgent question before we get deeper. I mean, we, our, our friends are, we have many mutual friends. It's not about to get deeper. Well, yeah, I, I think I don't know how to be superficial with you because every conversation, <laughs> every conversation I have with you goes back to the 18th century. So I, I'm going to, yeah, I, I think that we said, oh, that's Maybe I'll keep it more last 5,000 years this time. No, I'm joking. I'm kidding. Uh, I agree with you. There's no need to go deep or to analyze. I just want to get maybe, we have mutual friends. Many of them live in your immediate circle. Is everyone okay? And I'm sorry to ask it this way, but I don't know how else to ask. More or less, yes. Yeah. Uh, we all know people who have been injured and, uh, yeah, but it's, yeah. You know, it's the sound of sirens in New York that just doesn't matter to me anymore. I kind of, I grew familiar the last few months just hearing this in the background all the time. And the last two days, I just sort of been completely focused in on, on Lebanon. And uh, I, I, you're somebody with, with the long view, and I'm not going to ask for any analysis here, just sort of like an emotional reaction, these images of, of neighborhoods that we don't associate with conflict. We just don't associate with conflict. And then to see today these images that are coming out slowly, just the extent of damage that was done near the port, that part of Beirut. And then on top of that, you see sort of this odd, odd relationship now that we have with Macron. That this guy who has nothing to do with Lebanon, or, for, or has no working relationship per se with what's happening. He's being celebrated out of pure desperation. Does this moment to you, does the calamity of this moment stand out to you? Given that we, we know many tragedies that have hit Lebanon. We know many explosions that have hit Beirut. But this one in particular, does, does it stand out? Not just the reasons it happened, not just how it happened, or even that sort of crazy image of a mushroom cloud shattering Beirut, but just the, the fact that is, is this something that will maybe turn the page, in your opinion? I mean, this is not, this cannot be compared to anything else that happened in Lebanon before. I mean, this is cataclysmic on a global scale. Yeah, there's no, I mean, this is a, a disaster. You know, it's like, uh, in the real meaning of disaster, yeah. it's like a tsunami or a, or whatever. It's uh, so you can't you can't really com com compare it. Yeah. Now Macron has everything to do with Lebanon. Lebanon. <laughs> and, 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 well, I mean, I mean, has everything to do with Lebanon. Because Lebanon, Lebanon is a country that relies on on being. being Protect, protect your national national community. It's part of the DNA of Like these, because I don't think people are open to 
rationality and the, the reason why I'm referring to half higher because you know when you mentioned the brief and I remember totally rationally and even then but I had to be qualified in Paris he would have been guilty immediately he was called he was called for rationality and all these uh, uh, metaphysical slogans are empty, empty and, and they could, uh, uh, the revolution would have lived uh, here, here, and he was a sort of sort of a well, so it's not because it's not really a system of but so 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 the 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 sacrifice fights me. No, I don't. Yeah, no, no, I did. I mean, I meant more. It's I I I I have to say very rational. It's a very emotional time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's always it's always a time to be rational. People will not not listen. I agree. I agree. But I and the emotions that you're feeling. I mean, I, I'm younger, you, you've just seen more. You've, you've had more emotional... You don't have to have every, every, every time. I mean, okay, you're okay, you're younger. <laughs> <laughs> By... I'm being a gracious host here, right? Is, is, is a crime, it's true, I'd say. We, we, we because we're the same age, <laughs> and we've literally had the same, had the same exact life experiences together, uh, and uh, because you and the youth on the streets are one and the same, Nadine, <laughs> I, I, the reason I, I'm curious about the emotions themselves, I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing things bubbling up in ways that I'm not familiar with, and that what you just said earlier is is exactly how I feel as well. That it's not it's not the time to try to think through rationally, given what happened, but at the same time. I'm sensing that there is an appetite for revenge. And that's a, I don't know if this is an accurate yeah. sentiment or not, but it's that kind of... Or a scapegoat, yeah, yeah. Or a scapegoat. But scapegoat to me, though, you correct me here, scapegoat would be the familiar, that you find sort of someone or a few people to sort of throw under the bus. I don't see that this time around. But maybe I'm overthinking it. I don't know, maybe I'm letting emotions sort of guide my thoughts. I don't see sort of one or two or five or even ten people sort of taking the blame here. I see something falling. But maybe at the end of the day it's too soon to, to sort of think through this properly. But I do, I do sense that the emotions will guide some of the politics, at least on the streets of Beirut. It, do, you, do you share that sentiment? Absolutely, yes. And... And that, that in a way is frightening because you never know where it, where it could be. Yeah. And that's that's the sort of the ugly side of revolutions, I think, is that things can turn very messy. Yes, and, and also the scapegoating and, and, uh, and the, I mean, the, the, go back to a few years, to 2011, for that, uh, you know, when, when the whole world was started to go on the streets when you had people on the streets in Beijing and in Romania and in Spain and then the people, 
seemingly unrelated. Basically, maybe they were all suffering, suffering, saying the same. Malay, or the same reason, same reason, reason. Maybe there was there was some abstract system collapsing, which they had didn't understand or control or Just crushed it. So, so what I mean, 
them crushing it in 
to claim the Torah, they, they, their mothers suffered a lot, but uh, um, otherwise the, the actual Torah people were talking, talking very, very, very different languages. And then we were not even aware of it because they were not talking to each other, but it was very emotional. When it comes down, I completely agree with you, but I think, I think in just a broader sense, the symbiotic relationship between corruption and, and, and chaos and violence and whatever militia-like um, behavior Lebanon deals with, just that, that uh, the culmination of all the bad components resulting in something like that. Uh, there's, I, I, that's what I meant by the usual, meaning that this can never happen again. That level of mismanagement and incompetence blended with violence and militia-like behavior and the whole wider story since the Civil War ended. I think uh, a comfort zone, I think, has been shattered. I think. And, uh, yeah, but I say this, you know, Going back, going back to what you said, that there was a, that there was, that there was a long 50 years before. Uh, in 2005, I, I wrote a piece saying that this is not the first bomb in Lebanon. There was a bomb 22 years before, which changed the history of the region. And because we haven't dealt with that bomb, we have to get this one. Because we haven't dealt with it, <coughs> we don't deal with, it, with the bomb. You will, you will have another one. And the, the one that we didn't deal with was 1983, which, uh, which was the American Embassy bomb. So the American Embassy bomb triggered a, and then followed by the French Embassy and all of that, that uh, triggered, uh, triggered a redeployment. Re re they, 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 they re redeployed. They left the back gradually, gradually with Syria. Syria. As I said, but basically there were hostages in the 80s, in the 80s. And uh, the hostages were being taken by militias that sprang up, you know, not only in Europe and before, they just sprang up overnight. And, but they all ended up being released in the masses. <laughs> so, 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 so the Iranian administration was gradually being moved into Damascus because they had to send someone to say thank you every time. And they ended up handed over, handing over Lebanon to Damascus in 1990. You told me not to go deep, not to go deep and now you're citing the, like, the 1980s record. <laughs> we, we only go deep. So we grew up. Um, and work at the yes. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that you started anyway. You started by saying that there was a bomb 15 years ago, and there's a bomb now. There was a bomb further right before, and so not postponing the problem basically postpones the problem. That's no, that's well said. I, I, yeah, no, and uh, all that aside, that. I mean, the familiar, at least, in terms of the that little wiggle room you have in Beirut where you can still try to live a normal life if you're lucky and maybe have a, a, a night out in a neighborhood that you consider as maybe one of those few neighborhoods left that you can actually just enjoy what's left of that scene in Beirut. The imagery is so shocking that it just sort of, um, I mean, 
it's, it's very hard to, to just accept this as part of a wider story. It stands out. And I, and I agree with you what you said, Nadine. It's, it's, it doesn't compare to previous incidents. It just doesn't compare.
in a way, in a way, under national, international protection, and that's why, that's yeah. why we see yeah. the, 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 no, I'd like to actually, at a later time, when there's a bit, a bit of space to reflect, it would be nice to have a conversation about that issue of international protection, something I've not explored yet. And with your permission, Drew, I'll invite you back. We can have this uh, very eloquent three-way again, uh, not live, recorded, edited, accordingly, we'll all come out sort of perfect at the end. But that, that's a separate... I always appreciate your perspective on, on all issues related to Lebanon, so thank you for letting me ask you to join. And Drew, thank you for letting me ask you late at night to, to join in. Um, there's something nice. I think this just uh, the Impact Lebanon page is getting outrageous amounts. So someone just messaged me 40,000 pounds in the last hour was donated to that Excellent. donation, which I think is this, is this is a very special moment. I think that the world is eagerly donating to Lebanon and needs money the most. So there's that's something quite special that's happening uh, every hour. Uh, some uh, updates. Uh, yeah. was uh, was uh, very Irish. Also, yeah. I didn't thank you for that. I didn't even know. So that's that's extra better credit. Irish Irish We will do an international protection. I think we 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 I think so too. I, I, I promised them I'd call in 15 minutes ago. Guys, thank you. We'll speak soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. Well, that's so, that. I uh, I always appreciate having um, both their views on, and uh, I'm lucky that uh, I've grown sort of closer to Drew. Uh, in recent months, uh, something very sad happened to him. Uh, he lost a friend, uh, somebody that uh, is more familiar, maybe in American circles, American podcasting circles, and he has a channel. Uh, his name is Michael Brooks, was on the Majority Report. He died uh, several weeks ago. So um, anyway, very kind for him to just sort of reflect with me. And uh, Nadim, this is, he's, he holds the record now, it's fourth, uh, fourth time on the podcast. So I'm going to try now to call in our second to last guest, who's Alexandra Talti. And she should be online. And I think, I think she's here. Let me see if she comes in. Hello, hello, hey. Met, look at that decent Wi-Fi. Look at that perfect crystal clear image. It might disappear. 
I'm going to put you in because I think you're not appearing yet, so just give me one second. I'm very bad at uh, technology, so I'm learning this on the go. The good news is, uh, I think both of our audio is okay, so that's, uh, I think, at least they can hear us. I just want to make sure they can see you. <laughs> so, I think you are now called active speaker on my side. Let me, let me make sure. Hey, there you are. Yes. I want to make sure that I am not clouding your space here. I don't know why it saved you as active speaker. I actually put your name. But you know what? I will call you from now on active speaker. Hello. I'm sad someone doesn't have it. There you are. Good. I'm not in the way of your face. That's the most important thing. I'm not sort of blocking you. <laughs> You're blocking me. Oh, no. You're very kind. Thank you for even letting me ask you to reflect on what's happening. And I know that, I mean, in a way, it's odd. We're both in New York. I think you're still in, in, in New York or in your mm -hmm. area. Yeah. I mean, you, you tell me if I'm wrong here. Something like this happens, it's hard to focus on anything else. I mean, I haven't slept in two days, and uh, I've been trying to generate as much interest as possible. And, and a few NGOs that are not really well known and others that are kind of standard and that includes the Lebanese Red Cross but I also wanted to just talk to people that I know that care about Lebanon and you're one of them you're very kind so let me ask you and I, I think that's so great that you're doing this to kind of raise donations you said this before just with your previous guest it is one thing that is positive about this is it feels like all of a sudden people care about what's happening. Like, I've never had so many people in my life reach out to me and be like, where can I donate, yeah. you know? And that is overwhelming and, like, a tiny sliver of positivity throughout this, I So think. much money is being sent, and it's, uh, yeah. I think that is, uh, that is the only positive angle, I think, given what's happened. Um... I, I sorry to ask you this question up front, but are are your immediate friend your your immediate circle in Beirut people you know? I think there are a lot of them. A lot of these people are common friends. Uh, probably some of them live in, in Germany's in Malakai. Are they okay? I'm sorry to ask you this way. Yeah, I know, and it's so you know, I'm the, all my immediate friends are fine. Like obviously. Some people were hospitalized, many people like lost their houses, um, yeah. but in terms of like the loss that I know some of my other friends have faced with like their immediate circle or their family, um, I feel very lucky, especially, you know, one thing I think that has been strange about this whole situation is just usually like Lebanon is exaggerated on the news a bit, you know, like they'll say like, oh, this crazy thing happened. And, you know, if you pan out, you know, yes, there was tear gas, <laughs> but like also there was like a Louis Vuitton store right next door. But this is one of those instances where I don't know not there, you're not there, but what my friends are sending me and what just the videos and, you know, their entire apartment destroyed whole city block. So it's, it's not, it's unimaginable. And I don't think that anything can capture it. And I, I know I don't know what it is, but, um, yeah, it's strange to be sitting in that. And I, I know what you mean about like not sleeping and it feels like I can't, but sometimes I can concentrate on something that isn't that for like a bit of time, like half an hour. And then I just, I can't. And I don't know, how, how are you dealing with that being so far away? I spent 24 hours on my phone. I don't get mm. any stations here. 
so I was on my phone. Um, I, I don't know how I weaseled my way into MTV's YouTube stream. I have no idea how I got there. I got there at some point, but third party, whatever. But then I stopped. I just sort of was, I didn't care at that point because the images were coming out and they were so shocking. I didn't want to see that explosion mm-hmm. anymore. The first few times were so shocking, I couldn't help but rewatch them. I even caught myself watching it in slow motion, trying to really see what happened. And this is before the information came out, really. It was maybe the first hour. And then I ended up doing an episode about the Special Tribunal for Lebanon. Very odd, because the guest who's involved, I mean, she's the outreach and legacy person for the tribunal, uh, she said it's fine to keep talking about it. She was willing to talk. And I went ahead and released that episode. The verdict was postponed two weeks. Um, so I just ended up kind of lost in a sort of, in a, a bit of a daze trying to understand what I can do as somebody who's away and cares. It isn't much, really. And I think even if I was there, I probably would not be able to do much. But I wish I was there. I wish I was physically doing um, something. Short of that, I thought, you know what? Link up as many pages as possible. People have been sending me outrageous amounts and I'm forwarding it on. People are sending me, they're like, send this on. I'm like, well, well, I thought maybe I would just sort of make it a little more structured and have the links in one in one place. And I've been doing that the last few episodes. Other than sending money, I really don't know. I mean, I'm just maybe preoccupied with, uh, with people I care about. And thankfully, no one died. In my immediate circle, mm-hmm. many are injured, and it's just the proximity. I mean, it, I'm yeah. sure people you know as well that just they're just too close. You know the funny thing is though, it's not like they're too close. This is Jamaica. This is Montclair. It's not like you know they're, they're not walking next to the warehouse. I mean, this is a neighborhood beyond the port. But then you think about it. Yeah, Beirut is small, and if there's that much oh. ammonium nitrate in one place, the city is going to the city is going to blow up. So anyway, these are incoherent thoughts, but but. <laughs> Uh, my priority was making sure everyone I knew was okay. Most people I know are not okay mentally. They're, they happen to be okay yeah. in terms of their life. Their, their homes are shattered. I mean, really badly hit, but uh, miraculously, no one I know was killed. And that's two days ago? Feels like, I don't know, like, uh, you lose. Yeah, yeah, I know time's an illusion yeah. right now, I feel like. Especially, I feel like with the time difference. Like, it's like I'm waking, I don't know, when Lebanon starts to go to sleep, I can, like, relax a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if that's ha- happening to yes. you. And then it feels like I'm, like, trying to switch over. Yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. And then Lebanon wakes up, but it's midnight, so I'm awake yeah. again. So none of us are sleeping, none essentially. None of us are sleeping. That's true. I'm just going to interrupt the feed for a second so people can hear. I just want to put up another uh, page. And uh, I know it's not necessarily immediately related to disaster relief, but it is related to mental health and mental well-being. It's embraced Lebanon. They've been very active since the protests started. They've been very active with the economic crisis in particular. and yeah, the good news is they're taking donations and they're taking that. It's, it's impressive that Lebanese NGOs have found a way to get fresh money given the banking sector's crisis. So that's the good news. Anyone can donate. And um, yeah, 
I'll just link up because I'm an amateur with technology. I'll link up their page as well. Um, so quickly after this happened that all these NGOs like came out with like really shareable links JPEGs like people to figure that out and know that that's how they have to communicate in the, with the world is incredibly impressive yeah. and I, I feel like that's one thing that everyone keeps talking about is like this Lebanese ingenuity and I know Lebanese people sometimes say like that is, that's why like the government is able to be so like not working is because people always just figure it out their own way but truly with this like all the images that I'm seeing and the stories of my friends like opening their houses turning them into like little hospitals because the hospitals are overflowing I mean it is incredible to think that what people are depressed when they can't think they can't see they can't concentrate you know how can anyone sleep you know I um yeah, I, the this, the resiliency has now become kind of a, a complicated world, word because mm-hmm. how resilient should you be at the end of the day? Yeah. There was a piece by um, oh her name escapes me now. It was in the New York Times a few days ago. Oh yeah, it was about like the architecture, and she wrote the thing about the sewage system. Yes, Lena Lena Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. I did an episode with her, so I should remember at least her name. Shows you how dazed I am. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. That she uh, she wrote a piece about sort of who exactly is the resilient one in the story, mm-hmm. and I mean, patience has run out. Patience ran out a long time ago. But I think I, I agree with her overall statement that uh, the the system seems to be the resilient one at the end of the day. They're, they're the ones that are able to sort of push through. People can't, but the system can at the expense of the average person. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, maybe I can ask you one sort of political question without it going too far. We don't need to make it politics politics I don't think is important right now but there is something I'd like to gauge your mind in not one resignation which is so like that is impressive if you think in terms of resiliency no one is willing to run away out of fear I I would expect at this point at least one person to be trying to save face no one and then Macron who's not I mean Macron is Macron he shows up and he's sort of like you know treated like a superstar that's how bad things are, that Macron is sort of, he's got, he's Macron, he's the French president, people are sort of like, please help anyone, anyone. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, the, 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 the usual suspects, not, not one person has stepped down. To me, this is shocking. With the knowledge of how Lebanon operates, and the knowledge that things have been bad for a very long time, but still, this kind of incident, not one person steps down. And I was trying to sort of project, imagine the situation happening in New York, 
I think you'd have sort of either arrests by now or, or just sort of mass resignations. And I mean, it's maybe the two can't be compared, but still, it shocks me. Not one person. Yeah, and I, I thought when it first, like when I first saw the news report um, and like watched the video, as you were saying, you know, kind of not even the media. I remember I saw it and then I showed my mom and I was just like, is this an atomic bomb? That's when I just watched it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I thought for sure that people would step down because I just couldn't you know especially as more details came out like as this was being held in the court for six seven years like that's that's a many different governments and that's the the port is like the it's the only port in Beirut like it's not you can't just point to the city you know it's not fair to just point to the city that's like an economic powerhouse for the country yeah. one of the busiest ports in the Mediterranean and how does that like it's just that's like a wet I don't know it, it's crazy and I have to say one thing that has been hard for me to see especially as an American is like the kind of American twist <laughs> so quickly I'm trying to like I want to make a thing where I call all the people out who start like blaming different parties in Lebanon it's too soon uh, it's too soon, too soon. Yeah. yeah it's definitely way too soon I'm not even going to go there but I feel like when I see people do that it makes me really upset because to me what happened is not it's not the negligence of one party it's not the ambitions of one party it's not it's just a collective kind of lack of state or government or accountability I guess I completely agree and, and you know even if there's going to be eventually one group or one whatever one entity to put the burden on long term even when you reach there the fact is that's I mean, that's the best case scenario which is not likely the worst case scenario is that multiple people were highly aware that this is a very dangerous situation that in itself is I mean there were, there were enough reasons to remove this storage and it didn't happen that that level of incompetency is staggering it's staggering yeah. and uh, it kind of reminds me of the fires last uh, winter in the Shroof or last I guess fall a little bit like completely different but a similar thing where it's just like wait why like what's the point of a government if that isn't what absolutely happens, absolutely know? Yeah, what is the point of a state if it can't even put out? And you know what? I mean, the brave firefighters who are, I mean, they're trying to put out a massive fire at the port. And then they're, you know, they're gone. They just disappear. And it's not, uh, the, 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 the abnormal, the abnormalcy is so high right now that I really don't think, and this is a major sort of reaction, I don't think, people can tolerate this level of abnormality and go back to a sort of familiar routine in Lebanon. I sense that there's going to be a shift, but that shift may not be pleasant. It may be ugly because, and I, I mentioned this earlier, the resentment to the current lineup is so high that even somebody showing their face at the entrance to Jemezi gets sort of uh, sort of thrown away, thrown out. I, that's just the beginning. I think, I think, I sense that there's going to be some need for revenge. It could turn ugly. 
and I wouldn't blame anyone for wanting to uh, to let this uh, anger out because it's at this point I mean I mean this is like so 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 bad it's so bad that, and they mm-hmm. can't do anything other than let it out at this uh, at this crop so I, I that's why I'm in resignation I would expect people to be running away sort of trying to sort of preserve themselves but maybe not maybe uh, maybe they see things otherwise uh, that's interesting I didn't think of that component of it like that they're still not scared that's shocking yeah. that's shocking I think if I would did that bad of a job in any job I think I would have recused myself yes exactly already. yeah yeah well said <laughs> absolutely yeah it is I mean do you want your name associated with this oh, no way Alexandra, with your permission, I'm going to add someone to the conversation. Yeah? Okay, so I'm going to remove us from the screen for a moment. I'll put up the Just Giving page again. I think they hit six million already. Oh, that's amazing. Sorry, sorry, you wanted to say something. I I cut you off. Oh. Yeah, Alexandra, did you? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. I will now find, uh, where is she? I'll add her to the conversation. Diba. Diba Shadmia. Here she is. Talk about low-grade technology. I have no idea what I'm doing. And she should appear, and she is alive. Hello. Hey, so Diva, I'm gonna I'm gonna just add you to the conversation. Give me one second. Find you here. And let's see. Can you see me, Diva? Yeah. Okay. That's strange for some reason. Oh, there you are. There you are. Let me add uh, one more time. Sorry about that. Diva, you will appear as Diva. Thank you. So for some reason, you are still active speaker. Uh, Alexandra, I have no idea why. Let me let me put you back in. Why you became active speaker. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. Excellent. All right. Diva, thank you for letting me sort of ask you to join the last second. Well, thank you for uh, yeah, thank you for having me. I wish it could be in better circumstances, but um, um, it's helpful to digest as other people, I suppose. And I, I, I mean, it's, we've had several conversations in the last in the last weeks. I never, never really asked you. I mean, did you in your immediate circle? Did, do you know anyone that's? I mean, I always apologize for asking this question, but uh, is everyone that you know okay? Given everyone, that, yeah, everyone's alive. Everyone's, everyone's alive. alive. Yeah. Um, people in ICU. Um, it's it's a it's a real mix. Um, but thankfully. Um, as okay as people can be, you know, they're still standing just about. Um, 
that, you know, homes and livelihoods are demolished, gone, wiped out, um, and people are just trying to kind of digest what has happened, um, and I've been trying to kind of help them do the same, do the same for myself, and um, it's been a, yeah, it's been a very strange period. I, I don't know what it's like to, this is the first time for me to be away from Lebanon and have this kind of huge tragedy happen. And I mean, I'm talking to two people who identify with the country, you don't have to be Lebanese, I think, to really feel this moment. You've spent sort of time there, you consider it home. Uh, I, I can't help but wish that I was there. And I really, really resent the fact that I'm not there. And everyone I've spoken to is saying that's the biggest blessing, that you're not there. But I don't know, it doesn't resonate with me one bit. Not one bit. I heard you say that perhaps it's been an earlier podcast, and you can't seem to find a good reason to the world. You can't seem to find a good reason about being new or why money makes you better. And I think that, thinking about respite with my little family and friends, knowing that. They might not necessarily have to worry about whether they're well as they are, the hours that they're worrying about. It's something that I've been trying to do. I've been trying to ask for advantage at the moment. I don't know if an argument, or I need to tell them an argument. Imagine you want another person to your mother to worry about that. At least this way, this is. It's, it's, it's minuscule in comparison, but it's something. It's slightly less despair and, and worry, um, which, you know, is a positive at the end of the day. That's what you have to take away from it. As hard as it is, as unimaginably frustrating it must be, I, I can't imagine how it must you know, feel. But um, that's my... Why do you say that? I never even thought about this, that I'm putting someone else's concerns at ease. Didn't even think about this. Yeah. Maybe I'll take that with me. Because all I can think... Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't want to sound silly saying this, but I just wish I was physically doing something there. For me, that sort of matters. But, but then again, sort of thinking about it through, maybe uh, it doesn't really at the end of the day. That it's sort of... Uh, this level of damage is so immense that... Do whatever you can, whether you're at, whether you're in Lebanon or abroad. But uh, it's such a wide scale, uh, horrible incident. But it's it's a it's a natural human impulse to feel like you want to contribute, you want to help, you want to physically pick up the glass, you want to sweep. It's a, you know it's it's I think it's probably what we're all feeling to yeah. some degree. Um, but you know, you've done such a great job in raising awareness about various charities and organizations that people are able to give money to over the last few days that um, you know you shouldn't feel like you're not doing anything, that your contributions aren't available because we're all doing, we're all doing, we're all doing the resources at hand. And they're all me. They're all me. Um, so so uh, I hope uh, I hope we've got some of those things. Talk to you more often, I guess, for most problems on Facebook. I'm going to just transition the final NGO, which is Ahla Fawda. Um, and actually, I realized that they sort of, they do many things, but they're, they're one of the NGOs that are kind of reaching out at the moment for extra donations. The good news is Red Cross is getting a lot of money. The Just Giving page, I think, hit their marker already today. 
the smaller NGOs, I think, are, are, are maybe the ones that need more attention. So I'm just going to put them up, and hopefully no one can see us at the moment. They can see them only, and that's their link. And we'll go back to us. I should learn how to do live episodes before doing a live episode. But, but if it comes out okay, then I'll maybe do these more often. I'd like to ask both of you, because you're not living in Lebanon right now, and you have the choice of staying where you are. You're pretty much at home. You're in your comfort zone. Uh, do you see a moment where you will go back anytime soon? Does, does this level of, of terror sort of scare you away from visiting or seeing loved ones again or even considering a, a return home to Beirut? I know, Diva, you were planning on heading there. I don't know if that's changed. And Alexandra, I have no idea if you're heading back anytime soon, but I'm curious, does this impact you negatively towards the country or does it have no, no impact in that sense that you'll still go back? And sorry, maybe Diva, I'll start with you. Sorry. Sure. Um, it's. I feel like there are so many levels to this because my immediate my immediate thought is, if I go, what benefit will I be able to bring? Will I be more of a burden on the limited resources that are there at the moment? Um, I would have to stay with the friends. Have to, you know, be you know, be able to, to, to host, host me at the time. Is my physically being there in, in two months going to bring any other positive than just making you feel better? Because I think it's not necessarily just about what I want in terms of my physical opportunities and the places my friends and you know to um, a part of my home. Then I I have to think a bit more pragmatically um, and strategically about the potential burdens that you know that might bring. Um, but I wouldn't say that this is this has scared me away. I think that. Um, it will certainly be a question for people in months and years to come. I think we're going to see such a huge flight of um, not just not just Lebanese nationals who have been trying to emigrate the last few months since everything really bad, but that will pick up dramatically. But I also fear that this will this will drive away a lot of other great talent in Lebanon and lots of other different nationalities that enrich the country um, in the best way possible. Um, so whilst I don't think that I would necessarily be fearful of returning, I can see my loved ones and my family members in particular worrying on my behalf in that regard. And them kind of raising the question about, um, you know, infrastructurally, you know, if, if a city isn't physically safe. It's not about it's not about crime or political violence. If you cannot trust the structures around you to not collapse and to not, you know, kill you as as people in a city, something we touched on earlier, then what do you have? And so it's the reality that a lot of people are going to desperately seek another home. And it's not going to be in, in Beirut or Lebanon. That's absolutely true. This is the worst ending to that brain drain story we've been talking about. That it like it peaks with with this kind of 
horrible incident. And I, I, I don't think about these things that often, but, you know, over time I realize most of the people that I care about mm-hmm. are not there. Mm-hmm. I'm still checking in on those that remain in Lebanon, but the majority have left in the last few years. Mm-hmm. The ones that are still there I think about all the time, but the numbers, I didn't appreciate this. So many of my dearest friends are gone. That they, that I, I realized earlier today, I was checking up on someone who I thought was still there, gone. An old friend of mine is in Norway. Uh, relatives ended up in Austria, and this is really the last few years. And when you start thinking about it, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's it's real. It's it's happening. And then this will only encourage more people to leave. I mean, even from the I mean, even from the non-Lebanese nationals, I think that there is, I think that there is an assault, an assault on people on this scale, on this scale, um, is just so beyond anything articulate and only natural to be led to the sunlight and I know that there are I know that there are discussions about the um you know the Alexandra is that something that do you see that way? That kind of uh, both both ends, I guess, the brain train, and the earlier question of whether or not you will head back anytime soon. Um, well, you, you were saying, saying that I, I was interesting, but I was reading out a lot of my my thoughts. Like, because I first lived there in 2013, and that most of the people that I worked with or worked for or was friends with from that have all left Lebanese, you know, like because I was like in their twenties or whatever. But like, like at the time, time they had any opportunity else, they felt like, like it was better to go there. And so that was one thing that was interesting when like checking out on people was realizing how few of my friends felt like when I first lived in Lebanon that were still there. Like, like they, they all had to have a meeting. And then just seeing, like, like especially that I don't know what I hate being to me, to me, talking to my friends that are still there. You know, that when with the corona, when the things started to be lifted, that, that was one of the few areas that my friends still had jobs. You know, like one of my friends is the DJ, the chaplains, or, and that was still like a, a small economic driver. And I know it was a bit hard because I know. I'm sorry, there's an, apparently there's an echo. I'm getting uh, comments from uh, people that there's an echo. Um, are you? Are you? Is it streaming next to you by any chance? No? No, and nothing's changed since nothing we changed. talked that's before. That's so. uh, ignore, ignore them then. Okay, sorry, keep okay. going. I'm not watching them, so I don't Good. know. Good, okay, well, I mean, there's, apparently there's some echo, but uh, it's okay, sorry, keep going, keep going. Um, um, but that was one thing that was about 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 neighborhood. So that, of course, like, I know there was an issue with, like, a lot, you know, that I've been living in the being at, like, 50% and then a lot of a lot of outsiders who were in the industry still have money. And that's difficult for sure. But at least there was they were spending some money, money and now and now like that, like that you know. Um, in terms of myself going back and visiting, uh, I think I spoke to you about this in March, Ronnie. My dog has been stuck in Lebanon and he's on flight on Sunday. This is the third third, 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 third rescue flight I've had. 
I might be more about it. I think it's like, like, oh, 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 I mean, maybe it's even too soon to ask these questions, but uh, the reason I wanted to, I was curious if, if it would take something like that to scare people that love Lebanon away from the country. And since you don't have a, you're there because you enjoy being there. You're not, no one's pushing you to be there. I think on the contrary, you're there because you're curious and you love that country. And Diva, we've done two episodes based on that kind of uh, love for Lebanon. And Alexandra, we did an episode as well about just, you didn't have to stay there as long as you did. You chose to stay there. And I was just curious if there's ever going to be a moment that you would sort of say, you know what, it's bad for me. But I'm getting, I'm getting from both of you that there is no moment like that, that you'll go back when it's, when it's appropriate to go back. And I appreciate that you wouldn't want to burden anyone at this point and I, I sympathize with that but I'm, I'm guessing and you correct me if I'm wrong that uh, I mean, it sort of it feels better to be there when this is happening and I, I mean that's how I feel from that's how I felt the last two days despite not being there I just wish I was there burdening or not burdening I, I wish I was there but um, I really don't know what else to say I, I think I've, I've rambled too long and it's nice to ramble at the end with both of you because you let me ramble. And I lost my voice in the process. So I'm going to just tra- I'm going to transition one more, one more page. I'm going to go back to the Red Cross and it should show up here. And the Red Cross, I think, is one of the easiest pages to donate. And actually, it's nice that their, um, I think their app is now functioning abroad as well. So it's really simple. You just donate easily. So I'll keep that up there for a moment. And, uh, for better or worse, uh, we're not there. We're uh, we're abroad, and uh, I guess we're going to be sort of locked on the news for the coming days and weeks. Sorry, Diva. Did it? Did it? No, no, no. Flying around my flat. Oh, that's a flight. I thought you were. I thought you were like trying to slap me away. It's like go, 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 go. <laughs> I was, I was trying to sort of fly. I'm going. My dad's nicely ended. Yeah, just <laughs> go away, swat away. You're both very kind with your time, and uh, I know these are not, these are unscripted, unedited. Just I wanted to hear from friends and and their feelings for what's happening, and. Um, I guess that's what matters the most now is the donations keep going. Lebanon is broke, and people are sending money, which is needed. So it's nice to see those numbers keep going up and uh, goals that have been met already. And uh, I, I think that's that's the only... I don't know if you said it earlier, Alexandra. I think you did. That's the only sort of positive end 
maybe positive angle to the moment, mm -hmm. but there's just a lot of concern for, for Lebanon. On that note, thank you, Diva. Thank you, Alexandra. This episode will, yeah. it's live, but it will also be available later. So if you want to watch it again, and uh, I think I had a lot of technical failures, so I sincerely apologize. <laughs> Echo. If visual quality is bad, if people don't hear anything, it's entirely my fault. I'm new to this terrain. So, on that note, thank you, Alexandra. Thank you, Diva. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. And on that note, I think I will come to an end. Uh, anyone that stayed around the entire stretch, you're very kind. I sincerely apologize for the echo. I guess it hit some people and it didn't hit other people. I don't know what to do about that. I'll look into it if I do a live episode again. Anyway, you, uh, the donations links are in the chat box. Um, they're also in the previous episodes, and I'll include them again in the details box once this episode comes out. I think it just takes a few minutes for it to publish. Uh, donate. 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 It's needed. And I'm doing my part. I really don't know what else to do. Uh, trying to use this podcast the best way possible. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Goodbye.